Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 80. Ooh, we cleared a new bracket of I numbers. I know. I was telling Daniel earlier that when we do uh, episode 100, we're going to do a big giveaway. We're going to give this podcast away. It's done. It's over. We're free of the curse. You're free of the curse. Nobody has to be here anymore. Yeah, no bidding required. You just have to listen. Ooh, yeah. that's a mighty steep <laughs> fee, <laughs> considering the content at end. Yeah. Guys, if you didn't know who the fuck we are, and why would you? Well, we're the Save Room. We're two podcasting boys that invented the concept of video games by going back in time and implanting the notion of a plumber that jumps on weird creatures to Shigeru Miyamoto, who then invented the first video game. No, we went it further back than that. We planted the idea in Michelangelo. He was painting it all over. We actually showed him <laughs> turtles in time. Yeah. <laughs> Started painting turtles in time on the fucking Sistine Chapel. It was really weird. Yeah, where do you think they got yeah. the idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the one that went down in a fire this year? This year, this year was a lot. Oh, that was Notre Dame. Was it Notre wow. Dame? Gotcha. What a fucking year, man. What a fucking year. Well, anyway... <laughs> You, you can find The Safe Room on uh, SoundCloud.com slash The Safe Room Show or Spotify or iTunes or Google Play or where have you with your podcast. We want to thank all of y'all who've been listening for, well, the duration, whether you've onboarded in 2019 or you've been with us since the beginning back in, well, technically the 1700s, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say 2016. That's when really we Really big Bill and Ted feel. And unfortunately for a lot of episodes, nobody gets to enjoy the time travel because mm-hmm. that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's very uncomfortable too. Episode one through 15, they sound like they're in their 40s. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to give a new meta to this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. You, you do fun on the fly things sometimes. It's it's part of your charm. I didn't have anything prepared for our intro. <laughs> so our, our idea for the intro was just we got to hit it hard. We got to hit it fast because there's a lot of gaming and gaming news to talk about that happened in the last 365 days. <laughs> in the and, last 365, and we're a lot just of condensing it. it a lot of it feels like a fever dream. Like I look back on January and February, I'm like, wait, that happened? 2019 felt like a very yeah. long year. Yeah, I can't wait to wake up from it. I want it to end. <laughs> I'm so tired. We're of this so year. close. Well, what are we? The 28th today? Like, yeah. my God, let it end. Mm-hmm. Put it to bed, 2019. Fuck. So, guys, this is not a traditional episode of the Save Room brought to you by your Save Room boys. Mm-hmm. It is. And MeUndies. Thank you, MeUndies. <laughs> no, no, they backed out because our last episode was uh it was over two over hours. two hours. Yeah. They told us hour thirty Damn. or no undies, motherfuckers, Fuck. and it said that. Signed, you dumb bitches. <laughs> warm regards you idiots um no this is our game of the year episode daniel not just an episode 2019 came ran a train on us Mm. and now we're at the tail end of it a lot of people have a um interesting conversations around 2019 their perception of it uh who's that one guy i think he works for fucking walmart canada and like he's a big social media head i forget his name Mm -hmm. but he's always talking about like sony this and sony that Mm -hmm. and he said this year was like basically trash he's like there's no god of war no spider-man this is like one of the worst years in gaming Mm -hmm. of all time and i'm like first of all actually the worst year in gaming was fucking 1923 yeah there's no (laughs) games at all yeah it was terrible we checked we went back there it was boring no n64 or nothing dude um yeah i disagree yeah i would say like the worst probably one of the weaker but definitely one of the more interesting in in trade we got a very diverse selection of games that came Mm -hmm. out this year there was interesting things happening in the indie space double a space even triple a came in with stuff that was just like this is not a like a ready contender Mm -hmm. for game of the year but like it feels like you should pay attention to it right you know you got games like the outer worlds and uh what's another triple a game that kind of 
kind of was on the surprise. Uh, Death Stranding in a way, where it's like, you, you have this creation from a, a well-known AAA creator to make certain types of games, to make something that probably wouldn't have sold if it wasn't him, and it wasn't to, to Sony with that robot. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that entirely. Yeah. Like, it, if his name wasn't attached to that, people would be like, what yeah. is this? So, like, it was surprising things in, like, the AAA space, but then a lot of great experimentation happened, because you're right, there wasn't, like, a standard, like, God of War or Spider-Man mm-hmm. or Zelda, you know, it was just... A lot of big new ideas and experimentations that I think if there were bigger names, it might have been harder for them to stand out, but they mm-hmm. did. Right, they did. Yeah. I think this year was interesting because you couldn't hang your hat on a Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. You had to fucking actually pick between these games yeah. that are actually all yeah. really solid, but not this obvious fucking gangbusters, everyone loves it mm-hmm. kind of situation. Like, I right? look at all five games in the top part of my top 10 list, and I'm like, any one of these could have been a game of the year, and I would have yeah. been okay with it because they're all solid in their own respect. And then to that regard, too, you had certain titles out there that have fucking fervent followings, like Fire Emblem, Three Houses being a big example. Mm -hmm. And that's not a, I wouldn't even consider that a mainstream game, but Mm -hmm. it almost got talked about like it was a part of the mainstream. I I feel like this is Fire Emblem finally like breaking out of the Smash roster and Mm -hmm. becoming like this huge tentpole Nintendo title. And you have its fans going, uh, duh, we've been saying this since the GameCube. And it's like, nobody else knew about your stupid tactical anime weeb shit, man. Yeah, it's almost like it needed to exist outside of a handheld space, outside Mm -hmm. of the 3DS and like really have like claim to fame on a console and the switch was the perfect place for that like everybody's playing the switch i mean it was on the console yeah but not like this it existed on a console i know but not like this <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah fair enough but like, you had titles like that where a lot of people obviously would put their uh, money on outer worlds because they're big fallout fans and they think bethesda's fucked up with fallout but outer worlds gave them a lot of what they wanted mm-hmm. and for other people go walking to be like uh no <laughs> this isn't mine you mm-hmm. know it was that kind of year there's a little bit of something for everyone but there wasn't one thing for absolutely everyone mm-hmm. and that's the kind of fucking year i like it was it was a spicy year oh it's a spicy year it was even the year of the, the, the crazy free-to-play game and the the battle royale you know for a game like apex, apex legends to come out of nowhere and just yeah. like sweep the multiplayer space when we thought Fortnite held it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh God, it was such an exciting year to it be was, I think it was an exciting year for games. So yeah. if you thought this was a lukewarm year, mm. obviously like shit did not come mm-hmm. out that hit your interest. Maybe, I don't know. I, I feel like that's almost impossible, right? How, how did something not come out that hit your fucking fancy? I feel like every genre got a huge contender yeah. this year, you know? But whatever, whatever. People are waiting for GTA 6. That's yeah. their problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because we're doing like this death march to like the new decade and like this new console generation. It's it's all going to change. You know, it's all going to be different. We're going to have again those like AAA launch titles and like, cool. Mm-hmm. We got the the what we know is from Insomniac and uh, Guerrilla Games and Santa Monica and like the things that are sure bets. And it's going to be cool and exciting because it's going to be new toys. But like to mm-hmm. see these like developers and like the last wing of a, of a console gen do this like sort of game dev and, and and achievement that they've done is like it's kind of cool pushing the limitations of like what the ps4 and xbox one could do i always think i i actually really like the twilight of console because mm-hmm. some of the the powerhouse games come out like mm-hmm. you know we got god of war towards the tail end of uh the PS4. ps4's life cycle yeah. honestly and then we got um uh back in uh for ps3 it was last of us was just like mm-hmm. yo we actually figured out how to use the fucking core processor here's a game mm-hmm. fully utilizing the power of ps3 and it's like what the fuck a ps3 did this game mm-hmm. so i like the games that come out like that you know even we got look a few. at like some of the games that came at the end of like the gamecube era and it's like holy shit these are some of the best <laughs> what's the last gamecube game uh i remember twilight princess being twilight one of the princess last was ones. the last gamecube game one of 
I mean, what, that, that was crotch between, like, between one, that and Wii. One of gives you some breathing room, huh? <laughs> yeah, it really does, it does. <laughs> one of. It's because, like, it's actually FIFA 09, yeah, motherfucker. It was Just Dance 2020. <laughs> Probably. We're still <laughs> releasing the little yeah. discs. <laughs> so, before we got into our big old lists, uh, I kind of wanted to run through... Mm-hmm because it wasn't just like oh here's exciting games coming out and shit like that mm-hmm. there was events there was news this industry is always rocking mm-hmm. and i gotta say it's always interesting we've had things from fucking lawsuits mm-hmm. to usb sticks full of porn getting left behind at a medieval times. this year video games won on the world stage with uh, hong kong so like it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's wild what we got ourselves into this year really so i, I like i like remembering that in games mm-hmm. right i like remembering the events because yeah. like we spent the save room spends a lot of time talking about video game news Right? We do a lot of current events. A lot we of do a lot of current events. So I want to go back through some of my fucking favorites that happened this year, and we'll we'll go real yeah. fast. We won't, won't do well, a deep dive. But last just... year we did like superlatives, and that was fun. Right. But this is going to be like just a brief like look back. This and, was and easier recap. to write. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure (laughs) exactly just like oh yeah you remember that oh yeah so the first thing on here this is this is 2019 in gaming these are the events that defined 2019 okay gamers (laughs) strap the fuck in we got some gamer words for you the first thing on here my favorite being e-girl bathwater was a thing it was we have Delphine Delphine (laughs) to thank for selling her own bathwater to the gamers making an enterprise of it that inspired women all over the the planet (laughs) exactly yeah like get your bread yeah get your bread there is untapped thirst out there in the market and and people were drinking that bathwater too so you're not far off from that although we did get a report that there may not have actually been any human matter or materials in the bathwater people were testing it right she was just selling tap water like which, pink tap water which i don't i don't know it's whether or not to get immediately like annoyed or just like i'm in awe mm. of this person like of course if the market is there fucking take that market well look at most like companies that brand water right it's all in the branding how do you make your water sexy how do you make it like the must-have water put a girl in it <laughs> put a girl on it like you know put a hot e-girl on it and it get, works <laughs> sell her f- nasty fart water <laughs> the gamers will like it the the way that i view it is if somebody is stupid enough to buy it Mm -hmm. then god damn it there's somebody smart enough to sell it yeah of course it's always going to be a smart thing to sell something that somebody stupid is going to buy that's it (laughs) and i would i would even say that you don't have to be smart to sell a thing like that plenty of dumb people make millions (laughs) you say i could sell my i could sell my fart water you gotta be an e-girl i gotta be an e-girl yeah i'm so close yeah I'm so close to that e- you gotta, e-girl You gotta fandom. hang brain on the internet. Oh, nice, dude. I gotta shave that brain first. True. That brings us to our first sponsorship, Manscaped. No, I'm fucking kidding. Every fucking gaming podcast was yeah. invaded this year. By Manscaped. By Manscaped. Yeah. They don't want to invade us. I shave my balls all the time. Where, where were you, Manscaped? Nowhere. Nowhere. Number two on here, my friend. <laughs> Speaking of uh, these, these e-celebrities, Dr. Disrespect decided to live stream from an E3 restroom. <laughs> He got into a little hot water there um, <laughs> by showing people making water. Wow. <laughs> Including, there was like one kid on there too, and it was yeah. like, dude, what the fuck? And he only got like, what, like a two-week suspension on Twitch? Yeah, he got a two-week suspension. He didn't lose his position on the platform nope. at all, and they reinstated like, you know, his his income and all I, that I stuff. I think he got kicked out of E3, though. He did. They were like, yep, give us your badge. I don't think he really cared, though. And who gives a shit? Yeah. Nobody cares about E3. That's the other thing. Yeah. That's not on the list, but nobody gives a shit about E3. Mm-hmm. Unless they're leaking your information. But, like, he's one of the people who doesn't need to go to E3 to make a, a name for himself. No. 
He could have stayed home and streamed the entire time and still made the same numbers. I So this guy did this shit, had no repercussion, and then he actually went out and mm. as Guy Beam, who he actually is, mm. said that he apologizes on behalf of his brand. Yeah. He's like, you know, Dr. Disrespect is like an edgy character and sometimes we do stuff that offends people and we don't mean to. And I'm just like, you, Guy motherfucking yeah. Beam, you goddamn... You know better. <laughs> narcissist walked into a restroom and filmed these people. Mm. And you thought you were being edgy with your stupid fucking wig? Sometimes you, you need to know that a bit is not worth it. You gotta know yeah. that it's like, dude, you need to keep the edgelord at home. Mm-hmm. It's it's better for a fucking Reddit form, mm-hmm. not good when you're actually interacting with people. It sucks for him because I... Okay, I don't follow his content, really. I don't care for his shtick. Cares, I yeah. do... There were points, like, you know, where his family came under fire or, like, when that guy shot at his house oh it was a weird time and i felt for him i was like you know you're a real person under that wig and mustache and those glasses and the persona just a character like you saying just a character but when you do things like this and you stick to it and violate people's personal spaces it's too far with it what it smacks of is just like you trying to see how far you can get yeah you're not south park you're a real human being and you're doing shit in real human spaces and it's not cool (laughs) hey streamers you're not south park (laughs) like you're not (laughs) (laughs) like you're, you're just not dude but, you know, there was some repercussions in this. Um, Dr. Z- Disrespect is getting his own TV series. Anyway, number three. <laughs> On Netflix. <laughs> he really is. Did you hear that? He's getting a TV oh, really? series about his life. Wow. Yeah. That bothers me. I wonder when we're, which, which season is going to be the restroom. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Uh, the next thing on here is that the ESA, speaking of E3, the ESA leaked personal information for over 2,000 media attendees present in E3 2019. Yeah. They just put it on their fucking website for you to just download an Excel and be like, oh, well, this is this person's email address, work address, phone number. <laughs> that was bad. That was really That was really bad. bad. That was really bad. And did they even really fully like recover from that in a graceful way? Um, they apologize. <laughs> they apologize. <laughs> so there's there's not a lot, a lot of trust going their way anymore. I am curious to see what the turnout in next years are going to be. Like, if people are going to be as willing to volunteer their information and, like, you know, be a part of, like, the journalism or media. Entry. As long as there's an E3, there's always going to be people there. The question That's is, true. is there going to be less people there every year? And the answer seems to be, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems to be, especially if the main show draws, like, um, like you know, Microsoft and, well, actually, Sony is a better example. They're just like, yeah, we're not doing E3 because mm-hmm. we don't need to. Yeah. That was a big thing this year, talking about like that. shifting away from, like, the physical conference space right everyone's doing their own nintendo directs mm-hmm. this year that 2019 was the year of the direct yeah whether it be sony microsoft or nintendo the proliferator so what, so what was it exo is microsoft's or Ex- is that their whole event i think they have a whole ass event okay they, they do they inside do a show Xbox. called inside Xbox. that's what it is yeah. okay. i don't watch it because it's just a big commercial these are all big commercials actually sure. you really <laughs> as we saw with the game awards <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> the, the hope is that you find something that excites you you know like you get a state of play with mm-hmm. a resident evil 3 announcement that you already knew about yeah you know that kind of thing no but like i'm interested to see how e3 is going to evolve especially with like apple emerging in the space and google and industry heads bowing out and, and now like normal traditional things that would happen like i don't know console announcements are being shifted away from there and put in other spaces I'm like sure. game awards or i don't know digital foundry like shit like that you know yeah uh well i think it was a verge or pixel actually that you're talking about it wasn't digital foundry. Uh, i'm just saying like like that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i think it was uh, wired wired for, it was for wired. Um, sony wired of sony mark cerny jumped on <laughs> and he was like hey uh so uh Call the PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Not the PlayStation Series 5. It's, uh, it's going to play some video games. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's going to play them real good. And mm-hmm. we're going to go backwards with it because you guys have been crying for it. 
dude, I, as soon as I re- read the word Cerny, got an erection. Every time. Whoa. I'm a big knack fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, At least you pretend to be. Number four. Tell me about number four on here, dude. Number four on here was the great year of the... Um, the, the spilling over of video games in the movie space. Okay. Uh, the great movie Sonic the Hedgehog was supposed to come out this fall, I believe, October. It was supposed to come out in November, I think. November, right? October, yeah. whatever, yeah. whatever. And fans were so much in an uproar about the original design that they had to basically redesign it and what push was, the date back. Daniel, what was wrong with the original design of <laughs> I think movie it was Sonic? The teeth? <laughs> the teeth and the eyes. And <laughs> was, it the, was it the man hands? It was the man hands. <laughs> it was the man hands yeah, and the teeth. It, it was too, like, immersion breaking. It wasn't what people right. were looking for. So That's Paramount and Jeff Fowler, they're like, hey, we're going to do the redesign we're gonna make it what you want and it's kind of awesome hashtag gotta fix fast gotta fix fast, gotta fix fast and, and they did they did it and i don't want to hear the jason schreier story in a few months about how the studio broke themselves you want to bring us a sonic with shoes actually do you want to hear the real story so the studio <laughs> that uh brought together the redesign mm-hmm. they were all fucking laid off really i'm not joking oh what you. they shut that fucking studio down Whoa. like right after that's crazy uh-huh after all that good work that sucks it's pretty brutal yeah all to give you fuckers a design that y'all yeah. agree with, even though you probably weren't going to see the movie to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it even more now. And it's not meant for you. That's true. It's meant for kids. That's, see, this is the year also of, of gamers yelling about things that aren't always meant for them, like Pokemon and, and Sonic the Hedgehog. Like These are kid things. So uh, this comes from GameSpot. The animation studio that fixed Sonic for his big screen debut has announced it is closing its doors. The Vancouver studio Moving Picture Company, MPC, sent word to employees on Wednesday that it would immediately uh, close its doors, citing increasing external market pressures in the area. Damn, I guess it took a lot of effort to make Sonic better. (laughs) Well, goddammit, they did it. Yeah, we're gonna go fast for them this year. I just wanna, I just want that story to be remembered. Yeah, that's all. Actually, I do want to hear that Jason Schreier story. Then I want to hear that Jason Schreier. So, yeah, story. it's yeah. it's not something we see too often in the the movie space. I mean, we're no. seeing weird shit right now with like what cats having to get patched because you like, got a day one patch <laughs> because like the CG was like so like it's adaptive in a way where they needed it to be fast and like they wanted people to look human and dance like cats, uh-huh. but like in that they didn't code it all the way, so like human hands are showing. And yeah, they they forgot to like they're like some some people are cats. In one scene yeah. and people in other yeah. scenes like somebody's fucking marriage ring is in there <laughs> uh judy dench's yeah. ring i think you could see like several times in the movie yeah yeah, yeah. wow so it, it's interesting to see that pressure over there but I, mm-hmm. I i don't know i think this is a dangerous thing i think it's one of those things to acquiesce to a fan base in this way mm-hmm. is kind of fueling the wrong fire yeah i think listening to feedback is always a great thing mm-hmm. But if something's your vision, like you stick to your fucking vision and be like, this is what we want to do. Now, again, abhorrent Sonic is probably not the hill to die yeah. on. But I think about stuff like Mass Effect. People crying That's about exactly that. what I was thinking. Like Mass Effect 3 right. in, what, 2012, uh, 2012 or 2013? And they bent over backwards to like give the additional content and try mm-hmm. to appease the fans. And I just think that Bioware and a few other studios and companies like this mm-hmm. really set us on this course where you broke down the barrier between fandom and creator. Mm-hmm. And now fandom has this conception of like, the moment I bark, you jump, basically. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, they were just like, this is a shit fucking studio full of SJW cucks and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. They go fucking nuts for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in a second, because that's a very similar mindset with the Epic Game Store, mm-hmm. right? I just, I don't like it, right? Like, I, I, I get it, Sonic sucked, and it's just like, well, get over it. You you fuckers weren't waiting for a Sonic movie. Like, you weren't waiting for the live-action yeah. Sonic movie. You like, weren't no, hoping you, this no, was going to be the one thing that saved Sonic in the entire franchise. It's like, it's a thing that was going to happen that it was probably going to bomb. 
If you're if you're a legit Sonic fan, the only thing you're waiting for is probably like the next good game. That's me. You don't give a shit yeah. about whether or not a children's movie looks good or not. Yeah, I don't give a shit about what's his name, James. Who's the guy? James Marsden. James. I don't give a shit about James Marsden and his fucking CG friends. You, you know? care about Cyclops? No. He was my <laughs> least favorite part of X Men. Really? Yeah. I would say That's like for a separate podcast. Ten of those movies are my least favorite part of X Men. But yeah. <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, when yeah. we acquiesce so quickly like that, mm. it just sets an expectation that's going to get us into dangerous waters well, yeah. in the future. No, you're right. It keeps happening with certain companies making decisions, uh, Mass Effect sticking to their their story routes, and fans being like, that's not what we invested our fucking mm-hmm. three-game franchise in. Or even here, with, like, a simple redesign, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. It's a dangerous barrier to have broken, but if you want to be in the goodwill of fans, I see why like companies are acquiescing and doing what they feel like they need to. Cause they don't want to be in, in the bad faith of people. They don't. It's like when you're asking for that kind of shit, it almost tells me that you want to get involved with the production in some manner. Yeah. You want to say over your product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little different than like, Hey, this version's buggy or this is not working for me. Da, da, yeah. da, than it is. You need to go back to its core and change it to what exactly I perceive as being good. Mm. If you want to be involved in that discussion, then understand the cost that comes mm. with making these turnarounds, these fixes, these mm. make goods. It's a huge cost. The studio's gone now. <laughs> I mean, there there are some instances like what? Take um, No Man's Sky Studio. Hello Games. Hello Games. Take that where like that was a product that people were sold on one vision of and then when they got it, they're like, this isn't what we paid for. And then they kind of fought back and they're like, hey, we want you to give us the game that we were pitched. It's false advertising. Yeah, I think that's it's a little different. Saw that. That's closer to shit like Aliens, Colonial Marines, yeah. where like you show this this entire gameplay demonstration, and the game looks nothing like that when mm-hmm. it comes out, right? Yeah. And that wasn't even far away from the game's release. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, that's a little different than just like, hey, here's the thing. Well, we don't like it. Change the whole thing. That's insane that like oh. a company even <laughs> let that happen. Right. But there's I, a cost when that kind of thing mm-hmm. happens, right? Like Bioware still hemorrhaging people over Anthem. You know? Yeah, that was also a thing that happened this year with like the, the Bioware expose and learning all about the troubles of Frostbite and the what Anthem was and how they turned it around in what, like twelve months? Yeah. Eighteen months. I think that <laughs> we're spilling into a different conversation with yeah. that. We're spilling but just a sonic thing, yeah. but I just want to make the point it's like, guys, be careful what you wish for. Because mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna snap back in a weird way. Yeah. It's gonna snap back in the worst ways. Mm-hmm. Imagine a scenario where, like, Bioware, for instance, had to fucking remake all of a Mass Effect because you guys hated it. They didn't. It's called Andromeda. Yeah. But if they did... Yeah, they stuck to their guns on that one. <laughs> yeah, they kind of... Because that's all they could do. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that kind of shit could have shuttered them, you know, to be like, ah, oh, we're working around the clock to make this work. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. What do you got for me? Number five on here, Fortnite died! And children made YouTube videos of themselves crying. <laughs> I just had to mention the it, children crying because yeah. that's a true story. It's true. But then... Unto its corpse, Fortnite Chapter 2 jumped out of its sternum. Of an sternum. airplane, yeah. <laughs> it came out of its sternum. I don't this know. This was an insane play for Epic to be like, hey, we're going to shut down our game for probably like three days tops. We're not going to tell people how long it's going to be, but we're basically just going to reconfigure the whole experience and make it a new thing. And that was so ballsy and cool because it really does speak mm-hmm. to like how much of a live experiment Fortnite is and will continue to be. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Other games wouldn't have done no. done it that way. PUBG doesn't do that shit. Actually, any other game would have just been like, hey, we're going down for like routine maintenance. Yeah. 
right? And Fortnite was like, we can make this a thing. Mm-hmm. We also want to tie it into the fact that we're like making a big new change to mm-hmm. Fortnite. It's a cool way to do it, but I, I think we talked about it before. I think it would be so fucking lame if other games as a service games started doing do that. I would be like, like if Apex did it. Yeah, I'd be like, Apex, you're fucking lame. I would be like, okay, boomer, to every single fucking <laughs> game that did that shit. Because I was like, nope, that is time and a place. Fortnite yeah. owned it, and that's the only one that gets to do it. Or imagine if like Overwatch tried to do it after like the whole fuck that Blizzard fiasco. Like, no, fuck no, no, no. that. You don't get to do a big year two version yeah. of of overwatch yeah, yeah. the fuck now i i respect epic because like they've made their money off their engine off of fortnite and they they had the time and room to do something like like this and i think it paid off because it got national coverage yeah people were talking about it people were making videos about it kids were crying kids were crying and then you have like the hype of like your biggest streamers your ninjas your whoever's your <laughs> name you, another streamer um <laughs> name another streamer. oh fuck who does oh my it? god fruit ninja no what's your no, name no, 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 no. Name another one. i can't remember Paladin Amber. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, she does. I don't think she streams Fortnite though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I can name another one. Name another one. Uh, I can't name another one. Shit. Uh, <laughs> PewDiePie. PewDiePie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I yeah, got yeah. you. Andy Cortez. <laughs> yeah, he streams. That's Nitro yeah, Rifle. Yeah. Though. Anyway. Shroud. Shroud. There we go. There we go. Okay. But yeah, no Fortnite. Still not our thing, but it's it's cool to to see what they have done, and I respect it. You know. Yeah, I respect it. It seems like they give nothing but support mm-hmm. to that game. My only it thing is, is constant like, support. How do you how do you do your next thing? You know, how do you walk away from what Fortnite is and make your next big IP? Hmm. What does that look like for Epic? You know, is it another battle royale? Once upon a time ago, the yeah. biggest IP they had was Gears of Fucking War. Hmm. So they know how to do That's big true. IP. I um I don't know what's next for them past Fortnite. Obviously, Fortnite is the uh, it's the the reason Teslas are in the parking lot. Mm, <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know if they did another game, I'd be interested. Mm. I would say like, hey, what are they doing? I wouldn't want another big battle royale. But no. at the same time, how does a company like it's like the Valve conundrum? Mm-hmm. How does a company like Valve? ever 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 justify making these big triple a games that are like a one-time in and out mm. versus like hey we have a whole platform where people are giving us money for everything you know so like for epic yeah. it's like how do they justify focusing away from fortnite when that is the shit that's making investors fat and happy mm-hmm. fucking they're they're taking their cigars and rolling it in chicken grease <laughs> lighting that shit up just smoking, smoking it smoking that fortnite money oh smoking that fortnite <laughs> money day in and day out tin, tin sweeney is just fucking like coked up 24 7 <laughs> compromising people's personal data and just getting high <laughs> well at he isn't farting on his employees <laughs> oh my god that was there's the a lot this year oh uh, also this year i guess uh anthem came out anthem came out anthem came out and somehow it was a year where fallout 76 still managed to outdo it in terms of like failure (laughs) yeah what yeah like oh okay in terms of failure i was like outdo it yeah yeah. (laughs) what which one crashed less in a single session (laughs) like what are we judging about okay so for anthem to come out right and have almost the same mirrored launch as fallout 76 and for us to kind of like forget about it and then bethesda be like hey we're gonna give you fallout first this hundred (laughs) dollar subscription that you're gonna love and it also collapsed and failed miserably i'm gonna say this about Fallout 76 and i think it's true Mm -hmm. i think it's cursed yeah i think the fucking game is cursed because like every time that bethesda draws attention to the game it's a bad thing (laughs) it's not a good thing that's (laughs) happening it's like fuck these canvas bags are are choking people (laughs) or or it's (laughs) you know it's something like that where it's like fuck the disc that we printed on is filled with asbestos Instead of the gamers crying out against Todd and Bethesda, what they did was they did a dark seance and forever <laughs> yeah. cursed the company. They forever cursed them. They're like yeah. he is cursed until he releases uh, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, 
Or Starfield or whatever. Or st- no, no, he's only free of the curse yeah. when, <laughs> when there is an Elder Scroll successor. But back to Anthem. Anthem was a game that I think a lot of people were super stoked for, being this hybrid, kind mm-hmm. of like MMO Destiny type, you know live service shooter and let's then, make it let, let's be real dog. yeah it's a third person destiny yeah exactly that's all it boiled down to by bioware and it under delivered in a lot of ways under delivered i think um did not match bioware's pedigree mm. i think if bioware was going to make a name with anthem they had to have knocked it out of the park mm. for it to be like oh shit but instead you had a lot of fans coming over from mass effect and dragon age expecting one thing out of them and mm-hmm. getting something entirely what they don't want yeah. and that thing is already undercooked not very compelling Mm. and not cohesive as an experience it was a death knell that game was fucking perpetually ten dollars this year perpetually dude i'm surprised it wasn't free at one point but we talked about it on a previous episode of the save room hosted by the save room boys they are planning on doing an anthem next Mm. they haven't announced these plans but behind the scenes it sounds like they're thinking about what the big retooling is because i think even ea is just like dude there's a franchise here Mm. we got to be able to make this work because he put a lot of money in the marketing in fact probably more money into the marketing than it's the actual game (laughs) yes (laughs) it's a shame because there was a lot of cool promise there and the fact that a lot of it came together in like the the zero hour and was Mm -hmm. very haphazard and they've had to reconfigure and, and change the game since February into something like... We haven't touched it since, I think, February or March. I'd be interested to see how different it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're doing what they need to to save it. But, yeah, it's going to take a lot of work and good faith on the players to like want to come back to it. That's a tough part, right? Yeah. Like how do you, Burn us once. You yeah, know? burn us once. How do you come back from that? Well, there's a few instances this year mm-hmm. where the big question is, like, are people going to come back? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are we going to let... You know, on the flip side, it's like we were talking about earlier, are we going to acquiesce to the fans every women want in order to make the product that they think is good, even though they're not really part of the creation of it? Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it's, are we going to allow publishers to release things that are completely undercooked and then give them a redemption arc? Mm-hmm. Are we going to give them the No Man's Sky arc? Are we going to give them the Final Fantasy fourteen? Mm-hmm. You know, it's exciting when, yeah. when it's something you care about. And it's like, oh, it finally got good, right? Like, if RE2 came out this year and it was, like, dog shit, yeah. and then Capcom is promising, like, April 2020 that, oh, we're going to make... We're gonna make it good. It's yeah, RE2 it's gonna be the Redux. Big patch. It's gonna be yeah, Redux. Whatever, whatever. Are you gonna support that? Or are you gonna be like, ah, you fucking burned me once, so bye. I don't know. I think every developer, maybe not publisher, every developer deserves a second chance because there might have been reasons beyond their control that made them push money. the game and put it out the way that they did. Money. The fact that this okay, it's it always was developed money. on what Frostbite, which is typically a first-person shooter engine. They were making a fucking third-person shooter in a way that they had never made. The engine was not built for it, and they were working against themselves with it. And it, they probably need more time to adapt and 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 work on it and collaborate and make a game that actually fit in that engine and send it was really disjointed it was uneven across like its main player hub and its gameplay and its mission structures and all of it it just it needed more time to bake and that's kind of the unfortunate side you know? yeah it's obvious we had a, a a come to come to god moment the other day or at least i did mm. i decided on a sale to pick up star wars battlefront 2 oh yeah it's great. absolutely demolish at launch microtransactions were fucking lambasted mm-hmm. people again were like ea is the worst company in existence what the fuck <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and i slept on the game i was like fuck it i'm not you know battle uh, battlefront one loved it yeah but part two i've heard so much bad about it i'm just like eh, just skip out on it but you know we're in star wars Feverland mm-hmm. this year movie tv show new on video order, game like, yeah we can't get enough all of over the place so i was just like hey let me pick up this game and see what it is 12 bucks is not a lot to lose mm-hmm. and it's great i was like oh fuck wait a second though is it great because i waited through all of its launch woes to mm-hmm. play like this actually baked version of it and then the question came into my head it was like why do we ever support 
a games as, as a service title mm-hmm. at launch ever. Why it's, do we flop at it's, launch? Because it's, it's dog shit at launch. Well, it's every single time. We want to trust in a games as service developer like we would at AAA, like we would games back in the day. When a game came out on launch, it was complete. Maybe there was a day one patch, but that was really it. You know, we're gone from the days of 360 and PS3 where a game came out as it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think games as service developers and publishers get more... I don't know, freedom with it because like their game was probably in beta for five years. And then it was like this kind of like free open forum thing. And, you know, they had the room to experiment. Whereas like AAA games don't, they have to kind of release it. And that's the impression, you know, AAA first player games are not allowed to evolve the same way. I think like games of service are. Yeah. We're, we're, we're which is, But yeah. with that, like, I feel like we should ask or be asked for less for a games of service game. True. Like, it should be like, hey, uh, something like Fallout 76, they even said beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is going to be a fucking mess. Yeah. Just to let you guys know, it's experimental, it's new, bear with us yeah. as we, like, you know, trudge along. And it's like, well, at that rate, why, mm. Todd, <laughs> are you asking for fifty nine ninety nine of my American dollars? And then have the balls to ask for $100 a year later. Right. You know? I think there's a, there's a broken system here because we're trying to fit games as a service into the AAA model, mm-hmm. and it doesn't quite work. It should be like these, if it's an evergreen game, mm-hmm. that means it's probably going to be not its best at launch. Yeah. It's going to grow, and it needs to grow. So uh, my recommendation is when these games come out, no publisher wants to hear this, but like, don't buy that shit at launch. Yeah. Fucking be like, uh, let me wait on this. Well, I would say even a game like Take Overwatch, for example, right? It is a different game at launch than it is now, but at least it was feature complete when it launched. True fact. So, like, I'll give it that. You know? Yeah, it's hard to tell these days, though, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the the mistrust that we have as consumers, mm-hmm. where it's like, we don't know if this is going to be absolute dog shit, because, like, they're acting like Anthem's going to be the best fucking game mm-hmm. of 2019, and then you play it, and you're like, this isn't even a full fucking game that yeah. I spent 60 bucks on, which yeah. I did, which I did. I did, too. And it's a bummer, because I had fun with those jabs. Yeah. What is this number seven on here? Number seven, Magic at the Medieval Times. Good old Randy and his USB story. God. How could we forget about that? Oh, man, that was my favorite story yeah. of 2019. <laughs> well, the accusation was stronger than what it could have actually yeah. been. Yeah, and I don't think we've ever really seen a follow-up on it. No. Quite like the initial accusation. I think the lawsuit got settled. So yeah. basically, it was like Randy Pitchford got dragged in the court mm-hmm. by a former friend and business partner who worked with Gearbox. I think he was like a financial guy or some yeah. shit like that. And so the story goes is that Randy left a USB at a medieval fucking times in Dallas, Texas. I've been to that one. I've stayed at a hotel near it. I can imagine it in my head, clear as day. And it was filled with not only uh, sensitive Gearbox information, including contract information, mm-hmm. But apparently had barely legal pornography of a female squirting. Yeah. And to him, his fascination was that he thought it was a magic trick. Because <laughs> Randy's really in the magic. He's super into magic. Super in the magic. Don't forget the peacock room. So we don't have confirmation of the girl's age, mm-hmm. uh, but or or even the reality behind her squirting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been an illusion. Could have been an illusion. Yeah. And I can't believe that this was a top news story that ba- basically every game fucking junket picked up. It's wild. People followed it for like days. <laughs> Randy it evolved. did not have a good 2019. I'm going to say that. No. Borderlands 3 came out, made them fucking mm-hmm. billions, whatever. Yeah. Awesome. But Randy Pitchford, it was the one year that somebody needed to step to like step up to him and be like, yo, boss, <laughs> you need to stop being the face. Yeah. Like, you need to let the game speak for itself or the studio speak for mm. itself. You got to stop. Mm. Every article about you is not good. He attacked fucking Andy uh, McNamara oh, on Twitter. Performer. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he got, got into a fucking tiff, he's you call me a lie. There's no microtransactions in fucking Borderlands. There's uh, there's small payments you could make for optional content. <laughs> what would you call that, <laughs> Randy? That's a microtransaction, bro. No, man, it's small content. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it, it was not a good yeah. year for him in, in the public a, face. A, but like year. you said, Borderlands Three came out and was a success. I'll give him that. It was a success. Mm-hmm. It was indeed. So at least there's that. You know what? It's a blessing. It's a blessing for Gearbox because I'm sure there's a bunch of talented people there that are just like, oh, cool. The only reason we're in the news is because our fucking CEO decided to oh. open his mouth again on Twitter. I'm sure they were so tired of it. Oh, what? He called Phil Spencer an idiot because of the Xbox X series or whatever mm. the fuck it's called? Great. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't call him an idiot, but he was like just complaining to him online about it. And I'm like, what's going on, dude? Yeah. Do you not want exclusives on there? What's happening? <laughs> That's how you get it. Not a shrewd move, Randy. Not I mean, I guess he move. figures he has that um that epic money now. He's got that epic money. Yeah. He's got that exclusive money. What can you say about this Medieval Times uh, event, Daniel, that hasn't already been written? Nothing more. If you want to know about it, look it up. Because it's, look it it's up. so wild. It is a wild, yeah. wild the fa- And the fact that like it, he had <laughs> game dev exclusive content on there that was like so pivotal for people to find out and he's just like i'm just gonna misplace this thing you know? I, I i don't know <laughs> i i don't give him too much flack on like misplacing sensitive information i mean think about how we found out uh shadow of the tomb raiders yeah. title yeah yeah somebody was on a fucking train and happened to look at somebody's open laptop and was like oh my god logo and fucking snapped a picture shit gets leaked because mm. we're in the information age yeah sure and our bartering currency is information even dumb information like mm. a ceo saying stupid things on twitter and it's like headlines for fucking days yeah that's true that's one thing that I like, even though we talked about this this shit over the year on the show and whatnot, some of this ain't news, dog. Some mm. of this is just happenings. Yeah. Why do you care so much? And the fact that you, you truck with it. Think about Twitter engagement, for instance. You see a tweet that you do not like and go, this guy's a fucking idiot. The moment that you either reply or retweet it, you give more yeah. exposure to the <laughs> You're bad thoughts. Yeah. You're feeding the bad thought, and that gets on everyone else's timeline. So rather than supporting these acts of idiocy and fucking trolls online maybe like something that you like like yeah. oh hey i had a good time with fucking oh, plague's tale blah, 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 blah. retweet that shit yeah they need Hype a little more lip things. services here come on man yeah. fuck you randy anyway <laughs> what is what is this apple arcade yeah. came out this year daniel and it's apparently pretty good it's only five bucks a month and you have access to about 100 plus games and none of these games have microtransactions or and we're not, we're not talking about doesn't have Pitchford transactions. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm saying it actually does not have microtransactions in these titles. They're full, crazy. fully baked games. Google Stadia also came out and it's apparently it wasn't ready. <laughs> now, this is one of those things that I'm talking about, kind of like with Anthem. Yeah. Can, do they deserve a redemption arc? Can they get it? And are we going to get used to the fact that a company is going to put all their like fucking legwork and money muscle mm-hmm. into making a big launch when really the shit wasn't ready. Are we going to put up with that in anymore? Like, can Google Stadia recover from this? I don't know. When you put a lot of investment and you take money from your founders and you launch a thing that you couldn't even get out to everybody, that's a problem. Yeah. This isn't like a game launch. This is an entire... Well, it's not a console not because a console. it has a normal hardware sets, but it is a, a platform launch. Mm-hmm. And with that, like you need to have... You need to give it to the people who backed you. That's like if a Kickstarter thing you know, launched and you couldn't give to every backer. Like Backers would be like, no, fuck you, give me my money back. I mean... And I wouldn't be surprised if founders were like, um, what? You didn't give me my controller and all this shit at launch? No, give me my money back. Fuck that. 
Yeah, I, I could imagine that. Yeah. Um, so I think we Google deserves way less wiggle room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I can see that. But are we giving them less wiggle room because they're like the the underdog in this in this race? While they're Google, mm-hmm. yes, they're a fucking trillion dollar company. But on the other side, they have no experience in the gaming space. You know, well, they have people behind them and on their teams who are part of the gaming space that somebody mm-hmm. should have been like, hey, this isn't ready. Maybe keep it in beta mode for the founders first mm. before we start launching, you know, controllers and software things. Yeah, that's yeah. a befuddling thing. I think I remember Greg Miller asking the same question on Kind of Funny, going like, we know some of the people that went over the Google to work on this thing. They Jade Raymond, like they have people and it's like, who are known. How did none of them say like, hey, this is not ready for launch? Yeah. And it's like, he's, he's like, so it makes you wonder like who at Google is the one actually pulling the lever going like, fuck it, mm-hmm. shoot it out there. It, we're Google. We have the name. That's all good marketing is going to save us yeah. rather than having good fucking platform with the services that you promised were going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like this shit didn't sound like sound like it was missing like half of its features when yeah. it came out so I, I don't know that that's a really tough one i mm-hmm. i i'm making only the point that because they're a newcomer i think we're harder on them because of that fact right like they're like who are you invading the gaming space we know microsoft we know fucking sony and we love nintendo we stand for nintendo but who are you and so like immediately we rejected it <laughs> i guess i don't know it would be different if it was like a no-name startup tech company that came out of nowhere and they're like hey we have this console oh yeah proof idea (laughs) yeah like it's gonna be cloud gaming it's gonna be streaming it's gonna be the future if we didn't know them like if netflix back in the day launched and tried to do that thing and it failed like we'd be like okay who is netflix but it's because it's google like it's because it's them we expect them to be able to walk the walk with that and yeah sure they're new to the game and that's fine like it comes with woes they're new to the it's not like they launched a console that would have been fucking a safe proof for them like they would have been fine but because we're like in this era of like even playstation doesn't have it down you know cloud gaming and streaming Hmm. xbox is the only really one that's got it like kind of nailed for them and is ready to transition into the next uh gen with it yeah so i'm not completely surprised that google wasn't ready but still you know don't launch it yet that's it. Just don't launch it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Regardless if it's a platform or a cons- or a hardware, mm-hmm. I should say, Google should understand the fundamentals of you launch a complete product. Yeah. You know? For me, this looks like minimum viable product. Yeah. And when you do something like that, that's typically an internal tool or product. Mm-hmm. Like, it needs to be minimum viable as in it fucking functions. That's mm-hmm. all we care about. We don't care about the bells and whistle. We don't care mm-hmm. about the user experience because yeah. nobody's... Nobody external is going to touch this thing. The way that they launched Stadia really, really looks like they launched an internal tool. It's really weird. Yeah. Like I've seen it before where I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, people get their hands on this. You can't just make them your guinea pigs for this product. Mm-hmm. And then to see people, like prominent people in the game space, get their hands on it and be like, cool, this is my experience with Stadia. I press a button and the input's there, but it doesn't respond until like five seconds later. Right. Like, characters are not responding the way that you're inputting for. And it's just, like, it's it's bad. Like, we, we had the thought of, like, okay, it's based off of streaming and bandwidth and all that. And, like, that's going to be inconsistent across the space. But, like, you figured it would be consistent for, like, I don't know, areas where there are good reception for things like that. And good uh, tower support and all that. I think the tech is going to get better. Yeah, it's going to take time. I think they've made a serious misstep. And I think mm-hmm. gamers are not as forgiving because, well, gamers are shallow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 2019 was the year of the shallow gamer. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what. But, yeah, just talk about uh, Jill has pants. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell you what, gamers. Jill has always worn the pants, mm-hmm. regardless if she was physically wearing pants mm-hmm. or not. Thank you. Yeah. But I I think the tech is going to get better, but that 
memory is going to be a little long probably yeah. on this. Like your first impression wasn't too good. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see yeah, how we'll see. it goes. 2020. That's a year for Google. <laughs> Number 10 on here. This is a big one. This is when uh, the one dreaded thing that gamers do not want in their games, mm. politics. Yeah. Politics didn't bleed into our games. Our games bled in the politics. On the world stage. The opposite happened this year. Mm-hmm. So Blizzard got into a little hot water because, uh, well, his name is Ing Y Blitzchung Chung. Goes by Blitzchung for short. He was a competitive uh, Hearthstone player Mm -hmm. and decided on an official live stream to basically say, hey, liberate Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. It's the revolution of our ages because Hong Kong is being sorely, sorely oppressed by the Republic of China. Mm -hmm. These are all facts, and we made a whole episode about this. We did. Go check it out. Go go ahead and check that Mm -hmm. shit out. And Blizzard basically said that we don't just want to step on one rake. We want to step on a field of rakes until our nose is so broken and bloodied, you can't tell what's there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. None of it was a good luck. No, it wasn't. Daniel, what was your favorite part of this (laughs) this Blizz Down? Uh, My favorite part of the Blizz Down? Oh, man. Was it it, um, not knowing how BlizzCon was going to (laughs) go? Was it the launch of Overwatch on the Switch? Was it the fact that they gave a college team a ban for almost the same thing? Was it J. Allen Brack going on BlizzCon stage and apologizing for nothing in specific, but apologizing nonetheless? Was it the peaceful protests on Blizzard campuses and the orc statues? You know, it's really hard to It's hard to keep track, man. It's really all over the place. And, like, this was an ongoing thing for, like, a week to two weeks. Like, coverage Mm -hmm. for the story, coverage for Blizzard, and how they would kind of recover from it. And I don't think they did in a way that was graceful or served the integrity of their company you know no, and to think globally the way that they put themselves out there i don't think they did it that's one of their tenants way. apparently yeah. now the funny part is that blizzard by itself even though this is obviously like more of an activision uh choice <laughs> yeah. that was yeah, made of course like activision blizzard you know owns them blah 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 but fuck bobby kotak they kept on trying to like pedal back to their their tenants and be like we're trying to think globally so this is this doesn't fit like they did some major mental like olympics yeah to make it work to where like um our official events are only for our official games and hype for our games mm-hmm. never talk about the world we want you to be able to express yourself as a person elsewhere mm-hmm. like that's that's essentially what the messaging was and it was just like oh so you want your community who are made up of um, living, breathing people rather than fucking robots mm-hmm. that are here to just hype up your games and serve as a marketing extension. You want them to not have political beliefs or make any statements mm-hmm. that could make you look bad. All right. <laughs> That's controlling big corporation. Yeah. That's pretty fucking controlling. I think there's degrees to this, though. Like, people always... The Sith always steal in absolutes, Daniel. Yeah, as we learn from uh, Revenge of the Sith. People always give the example, well, you think it was okay if you went up there and fucking said white power? And I'd be like, no, I don't think that's okay. Yeah, I don't think that's okay either. <laughs> but I think he's fighting for liberation for, you know, a country that he considers home, you know, and it's he's in the right for it. He's not saying the worst thing. He's not saying, like, despotic, you know, verbiage or, you know, being a tyrant. He's like, no, there's civil and political unrest and people are being oppressed and being killed and they need to be freed and have their independence. And I think it's like a, a good thing for him to stand up for. It just, it sucks that the company pushed back on him so hard, gave him the ban. And then afterwards they're like, oh, we'll reinstate your winnings, but like you can't play. Yeah, we, <laughs> like, we, we've, we, your sentence away from our video games is like down to six months instead of a year yeah, or some shit like, like that. I think Dr. Disrespect got worse of a ban than this guy did. <laughs> and this guy was actually standing up for something that mattered. 
He got worse of a ban or less of a ban? Dr. Disrespect got less of a ban. There we go. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Well, that's what I did say. You said, I think Dr. Disrespect got worse of a ban than this guy did. <laughs> okay. Well, Dr. Disrespect got less of a ban. There we go. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things where it was just like, ooh, we we all know what the story is, mm-hmm. right? And it's, I, I think it was less about just being like disappointed or enraged in Blizzard. Mm-hmm. They did exactly what I expected them to. Mm-hmm. They did exactly what a corporation that was established in order to make money off of a commercial piece of art or several pieces of commercial art in their mm-hmm. IP itinerary does. They just did what a corporation does. I, mm-hmm. I fucking saw it, but it was more about yeah, the situation. it was a little predictable. Yeah, you wanted totally to think they would do differently because, like, we respect Blizzard, you know? Yeah, back against the wall. If their money's threatened, nothing else matters. They can make up terms mm-hmm. of service. They can say that, like, hey, he broke this arbitrary rule from fucking 1994 that some dude wrote in the back of a but player's pamphlet. How wild and how, like, big, uh, how communist Chinese is it to not only ban a player, <laughs> but ban the commentators who happen to be in the room when this guy made these remarks? Oh, it was definitely a scorch the earth policy. Like, and come on. From what we understand, it wasn't even a situation where they had to act because they were called out by, like, Chinese officials or anything. Nope. Knee jerk. Nope, it was knee jerk <laughs> like, because they were afraid yeah. that that was going to happen, and it was like, God damn! And of course, to be fair, China has exuded their control. Mm. Uh, they have pressured, you know, establishments like the NBA if they didn't care oh, for yeah. messages happening left and right. So they they have a precedent for that. But at the same time, it doesn't mean we fucking cow to a form. Mm. Jesus Christ! Yes, it's your country. I like this. We're going back to all of our old conversations. Yeah. It's just like snapshots of it. Yeah. What is the next one on here though? This one's a, a wild one for the gamers, right? Ooblets. Ooblets. What's ooblets? A word that I had to add to my smart predict text on my phones and my <laughs> Google Docs. <laughs> um, I forget even who who put that game out, but um, who was it? Oh, I don't know their name. Okay, at all. Yo, well, a game named Ooblets came out, and rather than come out, you know, everywhere or on Steam, uh, they decided to strike a deal with uh, Epic Game Store because that's where the money is. We saw Gearbox do that with Borderlands Three. We see exclusive deals happen all the time, but this one really pissed the gamers off because for some reason they don't like epic game store as a platform they don't think it's as feature complete as steam is that what pissed them off what pissed them off particularly about the ooblets situation daniel i don't know kevin what was it let me tell you about yeah. this ooblets the developer decided to respond they wanted to oh, yeah. <laughs> precede the backlash and god damn it there's nothing worse you can do except for patronize gamers <laughs> oh my god we've learned that very quickly right so they decided to make this tongue-in-cheek kind of message going like hey this is the way of the world basically there's plenty of reasons why we did this and you actually don't have a lot of room to stand on when it's all the only difference is you're opening up a different fucking browser in order to download this game mm-hmm. and oh my God, that was a mistake, <laughs> yeah. apparently, because the gamers blew up. People that didn't know what the fuck Ooblets was, they are probably saying Ooblets or some Ooblets. shit like that. Oh, yeah, it's French. We're coming down like the fucking inferno on this developer. They were sending death threats, calling him assholes, just yeah. fucking blowing up sending for days. murder porn? Murder porn and shit, yeah. gore and stuff. They are like, it got too much, mm-hmm. right? It's so interesting to me that developers are being put in this precarious situation. Not even, like, big publishers and shit having Mm -hmm. to defend themselves. Fucking little guys are getting torn apart by masses, and they're just like, dudes, this is about sustainability. Epic offered us money up front, which is money that we might get Mm -hmm. if we released on different platforms, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. I know about the money up front, and sometimes that's the difference between our studio is alive for another six months or our studio is alive for another two years. Sometimes that's the truth of it. Actually, I respect the studio uh, behind Ublitz because it's like they had full 
transparency disclosure about what they're doing they're like mm-hmm. uh we're an indie studio we need to make money we need to sustain ourselves and this is the deal that made the most sense yeah we didn't see the same thing happen to gearbox people were mad about it but like do you think anybody sent fucking randy pitchford death threats probably probably but we didn't hear about it in the same way well they did review bomb borderlands 2 into the ground that happened this oh year too. yeah the remaster yeah yeah that's crazy people were just like borderlands 2 must really suck what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah i i think it's an overblown sort of For thing sure. Well, it, it definitely is, right? Yeah. Again, this doesn't mean that I think like, oh, it nullifies any of your complaints. If you don't think Epic Game Store is a place for you, awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Don't engage with it. But when you see stuff where it's like, oh, a game that I might have been excited about or a game my well, like Borderlands 3, I definitely was excited about is going there mm-hmm. and I refuse. Yeah. That is the end of your discussion. You could just say, hey, you've already spoken by telling a developer I'm not going to spend money because of your business yeah. practice or choices. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. There's no following up with individuals in their fucking menchies, yeah. calling them assholes and telling them to kill themselves, and telling them that people. they're shucks or sucking Tim Sweeney's dick. None of that shit. If you are that type of person that feels like you need to lash out in that manner, mm-hmm. you need to seek help. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it comes true. down to. I'm not, advice. I'm not even here to fucking make fun of you or call you a dipshit. I mean, you're acting like an asshole, but not all people are bitter, rotten waste. No, man. Sometimes that mob rule sways you. I get it, man. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get sweeped up in that hate. You need to get out, man. Mm-hmm. Get out from underneath your hate. 2020 is your year to fucking turn it yeah, around. Rise above. Don't be the Sith. Be the Jedi. Rise above, man. You don't want to buy a game in Epic Game Store? Fucking don't buy <laughs> don't a game do it. That's in Epic like Game literally Store. literally the conversation, right? It's not like how we talk <laughs> about with Xbox and PlayStation. It is a free platform that you can choose to use or not. Use your other one and walk away from it. Fucking, you know, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give you one free pass. You want to tweet at a developer? Yeah. Fucking jump in their replies on Twitter and just be like, hey, man, I wish this was coming in Steam. And that's it. You're yeah. done. Yeah. You're done. You don't need to make this sweeping argument for all the reasons that there's spyware and it's fucking yeah. big. There's no shopping cart. It doesn't work after. We get it. I'm yeah. sure they're aware, too, man. Yeah. They're working they're on aware it. They're aware, too. They're working on it. They <laughs> you, went from having a proprietary engine that everybody used to having a platform for games. Give them time. Let me, let me just put it out here like this. And I feel like we're forgetting this. Video games, by and large, are not an act of charity. True. They're not. They're not just like virtuous creativity for the sake of creativity. We're not just making these these odysseys because there's artists out there that only know how to express themselves with interactive medium. No, this is a business, baby. And this money makes that shit thrive. Mm. That same money, unfortunately, not only funds corporations that you hate so that they can go get exclusives, but it also supports people that are auteurs. Yeah fucking auteurs and are a part of the system because that's how it works movies are the same music is the same gaming is becoming that too so take a step back and realize that and if you really want to make the biggest difference you don't cry 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 your fucking head off online you just don't spend your money there they notice that more than anything well, yeah it's 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 hard now though when that is the the game right you're on the internet yeah you're if you can yell the loudest you're gonna be heard the most you know and it's Start a fucking podcast. There you go. Yeah, bitch about Ooblets there. <laughs> See who gets the MeUndies uh, sponsorship people. first, motherfucker. It's going to be us. It's going to be us. All right. <laughs> Number 12 on here. Tell me about Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Gamer of the year. Gamer of the year. He's got two movies coming out on the yep. same day in 2020. He's a national treasure. And he was at E3 this year. And he blew everybody's minds by showing up for Cyberpunk 2077. So he happened to call the game breathtaking, and this became one of the uh, best moments of 2019. The only moment that fills us with hope. Well, somebody called him breathtaking. Well, that's the response. And then then he goes, 
you're breathtaking. And he was me. You're all breathtaking. In such a brilliant way. And it's the only validation I've ever needed in my life. Ever. That's it. Yeah. He's the father I never knew I needed, but now I have to have. I want to be him and I want to be his dad. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) I want him to be my dad. But I could be his dad. I want to raise a young Keanu Mm. after being raised by Keanu. That's my fantasy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's something. We also got... Uh, it's kind of like the the Watchmen plot. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we also got... What, what was her name? Akumi Nakamura? Yes. Yeah. She she uh, cartwheeled into our hearts and then got fucking fired from yeah. the studio <laughs> that she was in. What the fuck? Fuck you, Grasshopper manufacturer. But she charmed the shit out of us. This was the year of like good E3 presences and, and winning our hearts. That's true. That's the only way E3 yeah. is going to become relevant yeah. or stay relevant. Yeah. It's like, hey, we need to make sure we have like... Yeah people that people care about and surprise you guests how like nobody that. came out and asked e3 is this an april fool's joke you want to know why because they brought keanu reeves and they brought ikumi <laughs> they brought the people that, that were able to win our hearts <laughs> true enough yeah. true enough now you're the biggest uh, pokemon fan on this podcast could sure. you could you talk to me about another uh sour sour grapes of the year for gamers <laughs> um the great dexit exodus of 2019 the dexit where, exodus. where uh game freak was like yeah we're gonna make this pokemon game and uh we're not gonna put every pokemon in it and you're not gonna be able to have a full dex so fuck you gamers whoa yeah. Yeah, game yeah, freak yeah. is fucking going off on a limb They're here what freaky. the hell and people hated it wow why would game freak be so mean though? i don't know because they're a developer and they want to do their own thing and people are like this is misleading you guys told us we can transfer characters we can do all this stuff you launched a game that wasn't what was promised and all this stuff i mean this shit kind of like it sucks especially for like the type of gamer i am yeah which is i collect every single pokemon and i use every single pokemon oh wait that person doesn't exist mm. <laughs> so that's not true at all yeah you, what the fuck yeah like, this is one of those things where it was like a little overblown and i think the developer tried to like state their piece and mm-hmm. be like this is why we're doing this mm-hmm. come on yeah it's a bit much to make this happen mm-hmm. gamers weren't having it gamers were upset about it and i get it like it's kind of it seems different to do that based off the lineage of the the franchise where it's like every game you're able to transfer from one to the next to the next and you would have that growth and personal bond with the pokemon you had but also it's a new gen we've been doing that for 20 years who cares if they want to make like kind of a more self-contained pokemon for the console and curate it there you know let it be its own thing Mm -hmm. but i i get it there's that entitlement and people want what they want from a beloved franchise you know, when, when Breath of the Wild came out, right, that was not my flavor, but I did not take to fucking, uh, you know, Shigeru or any of them. Like, yeah, this is not what I wanted. I'm going to send you murder porn. I was like, no, like, it's, this isn't for me. Like, I prefer the old styles all this. Favorite example. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's all I got, really. The murder porn. <laughs> it's any fucking, all this murder what, porn? Hostel 3 <laughs> outtakes. <laughs> but no like it's eli just... roth is a big supporter of dexit <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is like yeah so so what if they wanted to do something new and also they didn't have the same limitations like they were limited as to how many animations and codes and things they could put in this game on that cartridge so you know it is what it is yeah i feel that for me it's like it's it's not a thing i never yeah i mean i'm, I'm not that into pokemon to be, be oh, upset about this kind of thing i get it for like somebody that has that completionist mindset like mm-hmm. It's definitely a fuckaroo. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, what the fuck? You know? I get it. I get it. I get it. But I feel like if you enjoy the series and you would go along with the ride anyway, and it turns out a lot of motherfuckers went along for this ride. Mm -hmm. Despite this Dexit hate, it became the biggest launch on a Switch. Launch title that launched on a Mm -hmm. Switch. Six million units sold within a week. That's insane. Fucking hell. I mean, it was going to sell regardless. Like, Pokemon sells. And it helps that they sell two different SKUs, 
three different skis basically you got your shield your sword and your sword and shield so it's like there's so much potential to like what do I want? To sell 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 yeah. that that yeah, franchise so people bought it and it's it sucks too because like you know i know a lot of people are really loving it and enjoying it pokemon fans especially yeah. but then there are the fucking curmudgeons who are like doing like oh here's the vanilla version of, of pokemon sword and shield and here's the cooler modded up version that we think should have come out it's like shut the fuck up stop doing that and it's just like stop oh doing it. you made You're being the, lame you made the dirt a little more dirty yeah. on this section here i guess that's yeah. pretty good to, to call the game that came out the vanilla version is just so disrespectful it's like come on guys yeah i just want to be like what the fuck yeah. i don't know okay are they coding in the extra pokemon or are they just fucking making trees look better they're just retexturing things come on that's what all. yeah it's not even like they added the rest of the decks finish the decks then yeah. you'll have my respect yeah. Yeah, if you can't finish the decks, then get the fuck out of the space. You'll have my fealty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was uh, all the main I'm, shit from 2019. Dude. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of stuff. We had, you know, AMAs on fucking, what, 8chan <laughs> with uh, THQ Nordic. God. We had a bunch of wild stuff happening. God, we had a lot of bangers this year. Holy shit. And these are the things that, like, for the save room, I like talking about these mm-hmm. things because I think um, we've talked about it before and not to be, you know, patronizing to the gamers. Sure. We all suffer from goldfish brain because this industry is moving at a breakneck, breakneck pace, and it also has so many contenders on the field where it's like, fucking Google fucked up yesterday, and then it's like tomorrow, it's like Apple did this brand new thing, what yeah. the shit, you know, it's something new every day. But there are some stories where it's like, mm, this sticks and it should stick. I think a lot of the stuff that happened with Riot Games this year is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the settlement, the lawsuit, and all of the fucking gender discrimination happening there. Well, it's crazy that a lot of that stuff actually happened in 2018. It just kind of carried over and had sort of a resolution that felt earned, even if, like, you felt like some people still got burned by it. Yeah, and that's always going to be the case, right? But, yeah, I I, I like us being more conscious of the industry and not just Mm -hmm. as this, like, it's a game that should be perfect when it comes out because you asked me for 60 bucks. You know, it's like, it's a little bit more to it or even just seeing video games as just a a play thing in that space it's like no it's it's maturing as a medium it is crossing genres and mediums and all these like when you have voice actor strikes happening because you have real talent and actors coming in from hollywood to contribute to this art form it really shows how it's blending into other worlds and Mm -hmm. being more than what it was in like the 80s and 70s it's it's prolific now yeah it absolutely is so and there's a lot of different things happening and that's why i like the human stories behind it Mm -hmm. like i sometimes i almost hate that it's like oh the product speaks for itself and that's all you need to know about i'm like no i'm actually really interested in how we got here the Mm -hmm. decisions that made this thing and the trials and tribulations to actually make it because i think uh, again a big recommendation for you guys if you didn't get underneath the christmas tree ask for for Mm -hmm. new year's i think you can ask for things new year's uh jason trier's blood sweat Mm -hmm. and pixels fantastic fucking book but the biggest point behind the book is that it's a miracle that any game gets made at all yep (laughs) that's it like it's all of these games are at risk at every point in their life cycle and sometimes developers don't know they have a thing on their hands Mm -hmm. until that shit's like almost out the door yeah it's kind of wild i'm I'm reading it right now i'm actually on like the eighth chapter of 10 i'm reading about destiny right now and kind of where that came from and crazy and seeing how bungie went from being the halo only studio to creating something like that and gaining their independence and it's it's fascinating because half the time as a casual consumer you only see the end product you don't see the ups and downs you don't see the story about the dude behind stardew that you know fucking could barely eat because he was just making this own game for five years straight it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating and i don't know those are important stories that need to be told and i don't know i'm glad that book exists because it's it's awesome so yeah so hopefully like you know <laughs> you, you come onto the show you listen to the save room you hear us guffaw about whatever video games we're playing mm-hmm. but i like highlighting some of these tales you know because mm-hmm. they i think they matter yeah because they make amazing things such as 
the games we're about to talk about, exactly. my friend. Yeah. We got motherfucking top 10 list of this year. Now, it's going to be a little interesting how we're going to do this. Yeah. Let me set the stage for do y'all. It. Because we usually do like round robin, and Kevin decided he oh, hated that. I don't like round robin. Whatever. I, I think it's too much pressure on the audience to like, okay, so that's Kevin's number 10. Here's Daniel's number 10. No, 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 no. Let's I mean, do it this way. It's pretty easy to follow, but okay. Uh, no, sure. bro. Nobody's even in the episode at this point. They're like, I thought this was the game of the year episode. Why are they talking about yeah, fucking talk- e-girl bathwater? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Sonic's teeth. Move on. So I have a top 10. Mm-hmm. Daniel has a top 10. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do we're gonna do a save room game of the year. Yeah, we're going to do a bracket tier. Four games are going to duke it out. Right. Only one is going to come out. The we're going to decide from both yeah. of our lists which four are going to fucking duke. Uh-huh. And which one's going to win. And it's going to be objectively the best game that came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. Objectively. There's yeah. no subjectivity involved whatsoever. Keeley would give it a stamp of approval. A big old GK. It's a world premiere. <laughs> <laughs> Worlds are going to change tonight on this Worlds episode. Worlds change. Now, Daniel. What's up? Who goes first? I want you... So we're gonna, we're not going to like just justify the existence of every single game on here. We're going to talk about these lists holistically. Could do it however I want. <laughs> He's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah. That's how Kevin's going to do it. Daniel's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. We'll talk about each of these games for about 10 to 15, maybe even 30 minutes each. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no, the hope is that, like, okay, we have 10 games each. Maybe spend, like, two to three minutes on each. Um, if we want to have a little discussion about it, we can. If not, we'll move on. Because, yep. like, it, it gets hard tripping up on conversations when it's like, we're going to talk about your list, and then we're going to have that same conversation again. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think I think more. it's more so, like, why did this game rank for you? Yeah. Why did it matter to you? Mm-hmm. What did it do for you that others yeah. didn't? Move exactly. on. Where are we going to go? Then we're going to really fucking club it out. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> when we decide that the save room needs to have an entity, uh, a, a ranking of itself. I already said I would, like, kind of, like, secede and, like, give it nope. to a certain game. Like, I was like, I'm almost okay with this decision. It's, it's fine. Not it is fine. It's not about deciding. For me. It's about deciding. Okay. Okay. So how do we want to do this? You want to you rock, rock, paper, paper scissors? scissors? Who goes to the first ten? Uh, best of three? Best of three. Is this going to translate well over no. Mike? No. So best of two. All right. Rock, rock paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. Okay, I cut you down once. So wait, who wins? Like, what happens if you win, right? Do you go first? Yeah. Do you win the right to go first? Yeah. Okay, cool. So. Out of three, I guess. Okay, Come so, on. all right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. That's a stalemate? That's a stalemate, yeah. So we keep going. Okay. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. So we're one and one right now. We're one and one. Yeah. I'm, I'm scissors, he's a rock. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, Kevin won. Oh, okay, so you get here, to dole out your, here we go. your top we're 10 We're going to dole out my top 10. Okay. I'm going to start from the bottom, okay, kids? That's interesting. Number 10 on here is Borderlands 3. Oh. Now, this took some debate. <laughs> this took some debate because I certainly don't love Borderlands 3 as much as I uh, enjoyed Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. And maybe a lot of that is because I spent so much time. I, I fucking bought three different versions of Borderlands 2. <laughs> you own that game a lot. I own it a lot, right? Because I used to like kind of work with merchandise for the mm-hmm. game. And no, I definitely did. But <laughs> <laughs> there's no kind of. Uh, some days I would, some days I wouldn't. Yeah. We have claptrap <laughs> backpacks because of that. That is true. We have a lot of fucking Borderlands bullshit all over this house because of that. But um, part three didn't strike me on the same note because mm-hmm. I felt like the writing wasn't quite there. I didn't care about the characters as much. Da, 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 da. But when I look back at all the games that I played this year, I played it a lot. Mm-hmm. I got the fucking platinum. And some of my favorite memories online this year were there. Because that was our game. I That was our online game this year. We didn't really have... Mm-mm. We played Division a little bit. We tried Anthem. We tried Anthem, and that was a mistake. I don't think we played 76 at all this year, even no. though we we had fun with how bad that game yeah, was. Yeah. 
Um, but so no, Borderlands 3 was the game that we all played as a gaming family, you, whole, me, and Chelsea. The whole gaming fam. Chelsea, David, you, mm. me. I had a whole song that I sung for it. Um, we loved, we lost on some of those Borderlands streams. <laughs> Mostly lost. I won't get into the details. <laughs> but it was it was quite the the jamboree. So I had I, I had fun with that. And the shooting is great yes. in Borderlands 3. Oh so I'm a very I'm very much a play feel sort of guy. Mm-hmm. So if a game plays great, I'm willing to forgive a lot lot of other aspects about it right story can be kind of dog shit as long as i'm like i'm having fun every time i pick this up mm-hmm. i was having fun every time i picked up borderlands 3 it was just one of those rides where i was like once it was done for me it was done mm-hmm. that's why it's number 10 okay moving on number nine number nine the division 2 oh man what a game division 2 I, i'm sorry <laughs> to see it rank so low but i didn't give it enough time this year um to rank it a little bit higher but i just respect the hell out of Ubisoft literally coming out with a sequel that is better than the original in every way. And that mm. seems to be their fucking signature. They did it to Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. They did it to Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs 2 is one of my favorite fucking open world games they've made. Division 2 is great. There's just something that keeps it down mm-hmm. when it comes to like in relation to the rest of the games that I've played this year. Sure. Um, and I, I don't I don't know what that is. Maybe there was too much familiarity. Kind of like how I loved Destiny 2 at first and I was mm-hmm. just like... I've done this, and I've done this a lot. Yeah. And Division 2 gets there, too. Yeah, like, I don't think they changed the formula up enough. I no. do love that they went from New York, like, in Hell's Kitchen to, like, to DC. DC was a really cool and a live setting. Getting to see, like, the landmarks and all that was yeah. really well realized. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. they did enough with, like, the factions. But, like, I don't, I didn't get far enough into it to, like, determine, like, okay, was the story worth it? You know, the gameplay seemed the same. I really like how they handled scaling this time around. It was awesome. Yeah, I think there's a lot of cool <laughs> ideas, especially how to keep like players of different levels mm-hmm. in the game with you. Yeah. That it was cool shit. In the end game, there's nothing but end game with the world tiers. I beat the yeah. fucking game, and then it was just like here's 700 things and unlock on the map, and I'm like, what? That's kind of wild. What? And that's before any other post content or anything. So I give a massive respect for that because that's like this evergreen game that I could. Every time pick pick up every time that I pick up Destiny two, I have fun with it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's lower on the list for a couple of reasons. And okay. I think this year I wasn't as keen on games as a service games mm-hmm. as I was in previous years. You know, um, yeah, yeah. This is the first year that I've played Overwatch the least. Yeah, I can't tell what yeah. the reasons for that were. Whether it was roll queue or whether it was mm-hmm. the Blitch Tongue thing or whether it was like I don't know. We had other things vying for our attention. Because like we said, it was an interesting year for gaming. It so it's like a lot of cool indies and creative new double A's were like pulling our ear. I'll say this. I think um, a lot more single player games made a better case for themselves this year mm. than previous years. So that could, that could lead fair. to it. But Division 2, I respect you. I love you. You were fun to play and the graphics are amazing. There you go. Still the best what solid shooter, third person shooter in the market. Uh, I mean, that's debatable. With Call of Duty. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, third person though. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not even going to get yeah. into it. I don't even want to get into don't that. Don't get into it. I don't want to get into yeah. that. Number eight on my list, Daniel. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So low. Too bad. That's crazy to me. It gets low for a couple of reasons, right? Because okay. these other games that I played, I loved more. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that too. When I beat it and you're like on the platinum hunt, I was just like, I just want to go back to playing Death Stranding. Mm. And I did. I was like, that's where I'm feeling right now. Star Wars is very good. I like a lot of what it does. And honestly, when you look at all the Star Wars stories that came out this year, I'd still submit it's probably the best yeah. Star Wars story over Rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian. Because mm-hmm. it just gave me... I love the Jedi on the run tale. Oh, it's so cool. Um, I thought 
Cal was going to be pretty milk toast, Cal lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he ended up being a pretty strong character. Like that actor is great, you know. Um, and the supporting cast was fucking amazing too. Like I liked all of that shit. What Seer, Grease, Trilla, all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of it was fucking great, and graphics were great. The world was great. I've always wanted like an Uncharted game set in Star Wars, mm-hmm. and that's basically what we got with a little bit of a uh, little bit of Sekiro in it. I'd say closer to Sekiro because of the whole jumping around and shit than it is Dark Souls. Yeah, I'd say the verticality of of Sekiro with yeah. that and like how you traverse, and then even like the parrying. Yeah, but a f- <sighs> so now we've touched <laughs> on why it is so low on my list. Mm. The parrying is dog shit in that game. Mm. It is. I'm. It's dog shit. I don't know how they fucking got away with, like... Oh, it's almost there, too. Like, the combat feels so good, mm-hmm. except for the pairing. It's it's always off. It feels gummy, unresponsive. I'm just like... It It damages your experience, especially when you get to the harder fights in the game. Mm-hmm. You're just like, dude, there's something really wrong with yeah, this. Yeah, you don't feel like you're actually building up your technical set to, like, be equipped for some of the harder fights, like the second mm. sister or, like, whoever, you know? This game would rank higher instantly if Sekiro didn't come out this year. Mm. Sekiro taught us this is exactly how sword combat should be, and I don't mm. care if it's a laser or metal, it should feel a sword like is this. A sword is a, a sword. sword is a sword is a but sword. I would say that this is the best a lightsaber has ever felt in a game. Like, sure, it feels gummy, but like it is refined. You can do a lot with it. It does have a good like feedback and feel. It just like if you're gonna base your combat around parrying, it doesn't fully succeed there. What are you looking at? I'm Unleashed? trying to. I'm Star Wars tr- Unleashed. Yeah, kind of. Mm, okay. And you could even say Jedi Outcast 2 made a very good goddamn okay. case for how you do lightsabers. I don't know. That one's seriously debatable. Okay, fair. It's one of the better in recent memory. I think it's way better than what Battlefront does. Battlefront's like kind of weak with its lightsaber action. Sure. Yeah, no, it feels silly in yeah, Battlefront. As much silly. as I like playing as heroes or <laughs> yeah. villains or whoever, it's like I don't feel like the response is there. But this, I actually do feel like a Jedi. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like more like a Jedi than I've ever felt. I didn't know Jedi slide so much. Yeah, right. All over those ice caverns. Just slipping and sliding the whole fucking time. No, I I respect the game. I love it a lot, but it honestly just did not... It it didn't, like... It wasn't this crushing victory for me. You know? I was just like, cool, this is a good step in the kind of Star Wars games that I want, Mm. but it wasn't quite my hallelujah moment, right? That's it. Number seven on here. Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh, and Luigi! Um, it's me! Mario. Mario. Tell me why. Tell me about this game that you love so much. It is a joy. It is a pure <laughs> joy through and through. Um, I, I think uh, it's not an evergreen experience, and most Nintendo games aren't that kind of experience. But he's our green boy. He's our green boy. He's he's evergreen in my heart. <laughs> it's I just really love the design of this game. It's mm-hmm. such a immaculately detailed game. It's it's cute. It's it's ghosties are a joy to the combat. I like the upgrades to your your suckum. What do you call it? The uh, just call him the suck'em, the vacuum yeah. sucker, the poltergeist, <laughs> the poltergeist, <laughs> the suck'em, the three suck'em. <laughs> Every month, suck it. What's that office song? Oh, <laughs> that fucking um, I forget his name. David Wallace sings with a yeah. son on the drum set. Yeah, yeah. You put it in your purse and you suck it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I really like that game, and I like the the idea that it's like, hey, we're gonna call it Luigi's Mansion, but this one's actually in a hotel, mm. and the hotel is such an interesting place because every floor had a different like theme to okay. it, a medieval theme, a desert theme. You know, th- yeah. there's even a Hollywood set where you get to like remake a kaiju film. Oh, that's really neat. As as Luigi and you know fighting a ghost and shit. And I was like, this game is a lot of fun. I would say it's probably my favorite Switch game to come out this year i mean are there any other contenders really 
Like, he played a lot of interesting stuff on the Switch this year, I feel like. He played Ape Out and Link's Awakening. Yeah. Uh, he did I play g- Fire Emblem. Yeah, I didn't even finish Link's Awakening. I was fine with it. I didn't finish it either, but, I, like, I know what that game is. Exactly. Yeah. I felt like I played it for a while, and I was like, I know what you are, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm moving on. This is... This would be wonderful if I was, like, 11 again. Yeah, it's it's a bummer because that game, like, <laughs> should rank for me, and it, right. it doesn't. Because yeah. I'm just like, you are a great one-for-one remake, and it's beautiful, and it's charming, and the music is so good. But it's just, like, it didn't stand out as something, like, attention-grabbing for me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Luigi's Mansion hits me in all the... It's it's Nintendo's Resident Evil. <laughs> you know? Like, that's... Of course sure. I'm always gonna I'll love it. I'll let you make that argument. I'm always gonna love it. I'm yeah. always gonna love it for that reason. Um, Number six on here. Number six. Flying Daniel. through. We're almost at your top five. Yeah, dude. I'm we're excited. In top five. I'm excited to see. Look, that. I'm making good time here. Yeah. This is how you this see. Is we gotta do it under twenty it. minutes for each. This of is us. how you're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Number six. Days gone. Number six. Deacon. Deacon St. John. It's Nine. a Lost Lake. <laughs> <laughs> it's Deacon St. John uh, coming in Lost Lake. Here we are, all freakers here, and uh, I miss my wife. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> He would do something like hit a rock. But yeah. Fuck! <laughs> Tell me about this game that, like, when it hadn't even come out yet in April, right? It no. wasn't even on our radar. No. We didn't. We couldn't even buy it at launch. Like, we couldn't be... We got to talk to, like, who gives a shit about this game? Yeah, right? and we had that fucking entire conversation until we got it in our hands, like, two months later. I think the narrative was that, like, why do I care about this another zombie Sony exclusive when yeah. Last of Us exists? Why do I care about open world the game, you know? Exactly. And... Honestly, to be fair, the the story for me is that the first like eight or so hours don't make a very good case for this game. Mm-hmm. I was not hooked on this game right away. Okay. I found a lot of it to be repetitious, uh, a little shallow, and it basically just like a yeah, you're right. Open world the game. It's like it really is like let's make an open world. Here's all your things. Here's things on the on the map. Mm-hmm. Here's some bases. Here's some scrap that you collect, and uh, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it had these light survival elements that never really like went anywhere for me, and it was just a little little dull, right? And then something changes. <laughs> you get to this point in the story where the characters really start to matter. You start to understand like everyone's place in the world, how mm-hmm. they're surviving. And it stops being this like imitation of Walking Dead and actually is its own beast with its own heart and soul to kind of tell you the major point of the game, which is surviving ain't living. You need something to live for. And that's a drive-through of that of that entire fucking game. And the game gets super interesting when you go to this different area which is, I would say, about the roughly like the half point of the title. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the game then. I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with like what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with the fact that he has this kind of like come back to reality sort mm-hmm. of thing because you start off, Deacon is a very distanced guy yeah. and beautifully played by Sam Witwer, even though I have some, I have <laughs> like some trouble overacted. with overacted overabundance <laughs> of dialogue lines. Yeah. He says something for everything. Yeah. You press start and he's like, oh, start menu today. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Shut up, Deacon. <laughs> so, but I really, really liked his story. I liked, what was his girl? Beth? What Sarah. Was his? Sarah, Sarah. Yeah. How his whole connection with his um, his supposedly dead wife, how that kind of is a big influence on him. Like, I all it all just landed right. Like, the pieces came together, and that's one of those unfortunate things where I think a lot of people uh, dismiss Days Gone as just mm-hmm. being, like, kind of trite, when in actuality it's like, if you wait for it to get good, it gets really mm-hmm. fucking good. 
Well, I think it suffered from like what a lot of other games suffered for. We look at like you know uh, like Anthem, right? Like when it launched, it had audio problems, it had latency problems. Like mm. it just was, it was very buggy and inconsistent. And then they gave it like a good month of like I think there was a update and patch like every day of the week. Like it's it was first pretty bad. Two weeks it came out. So bad. by the time we got it in our hands, like I think Games Media gave it the first bad impression, where people were like, "Yeah, it's fine." Like, the first 10 hours is, like, the next is, like, the next, and it doesn't really serve itself, but then they dropped off, where it's, like, when you get to that Iron Mike camp and onward, I think Deacon prevails as a character most when you surround him with interesting characters. Yes. Because I don't always think he's interesting. So, like, when you have him with Boozman, who, like, you know, I love them. They got, a like, a brotherly dynamic, but, like, the first two camps where it's, like, you're getting the establishment of who he was as a rogue biker is not nearly as interesting as him finding his love and trying to rehabilitate himself. Right, right. But it's almost like a necessary journey for yeah, the character to go course. on for you to feel like, oh, wow, we're, there's an actual character arc that's happening here, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's he's almost clawing back to the person that he wishes he was. Mm-hmm. And who he was when he was at his best was with Sarah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just hard related to that story, dog. It hurts. I hard related to, like, his motivations and stuff. And that's why I really fell in love with that game. And it eventually, you get to these really awesome set pieces. When you start fighting hordes mm-hmm. of these freakers, oh, the game gets... M- more mo- it, it's most interesting right because mm-hmm. you're just like how do i manage not just like five but a mm-hmm. hundred of these things and it becomes this like effort of like you're using the environment and using tools mm-hmm. and trying to make sure you're like have the right uh equipment on you it's it's cool game it's well, such a cool fucking it's game. cool because it sets that stuff up from the beginnings where it's like you see those hordes in the environment mm-hmm. in hour two and they just destroy you. you're like yeah okay how do i get to a point where i can take it out it doesn't happen for like 45 50 hours later i know right but it's so cool when you're able to actually take them down you feel so accomplished and it's like one really of your rewards effective in the world yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's more like post game stuff but still but yeah I'll, I'll we can we can pick up days gone because i know it's on your list and i know it's probably higher on your list oh yeah for sure yeah so number five on here my friend number five for kevin's games of 2019 judgment oh judgment. i like how we looked at each other and didn't even like you blink. knew we just went right into you got it. eyes you got judge eyes <laughs> Judgment is a revelation. I fucking love it. It is from the studio that brought you every single Yakuza game, and it takes place in the same universe in the same city, dog. So if you're familiar with Yakuza, you already know where to go mm-hmm. in Judgment, which is such a fascinating gameplay conceit to have mm-hmm. continued over like literally 15 in different installments. Shenmue wish they could have done it. Shenmue wishes it was a lot of things, <laughs> including a playable game. But... <laughs> If it's on your game of the year, if Shenmue 3 is on your game of the year, you're joking. <laughs> you're making a silly haha. Yeah. <laughs> but Judgment's so fucking good because it, the studio, uh, Ryo Gotaku. Ooh, nailed it. No, Chelsea would be so proud. I don't think I nailed it. I think I yeah. fucked up on that one. <laughs> but they have a penchant for doing these over-the-top stories that are totally have this undercurrent of like a very sympathetic very emotional heartfelt kind of like odyssey mm. uh, the characters actually develop you know you you run through situations that are just like oh that's who you are i spent the last 15 minutes beating up thugs in the street mm. and now i'm i'm faced with your past demons <laughs> like that's that's how these games go mm. and in I love Japan's version of open world games because they're not interested with big for nothing. In fact, they'll give you a small open world as long as that shit is completely littered with things, things to, to do. do. Oh my god. Mini games, people to talk to, characters. They love that. And I love it too because I'm like, thank you. It's a manageable open world. Mm-hmm. 
I played maybe like what five to ten hours of Judgment, and yep. I really did enjoy it. But my, one of my favorite things was the fact that I could run the map from one end to the other, probably in like less than five minutes. Right. And like, there's so much to do in between. It's really cool. Yeah. What's funny is like in between like running from one side of the map to the other, there might be like literally like, ten hours of content. Yeah. Exactly. You're like, what the fuck? Who are or, you? Or like a Sega arcade that you could just lose yourself in. I just I love a game where like a guy comes up and like he is like a pop star, right? <laughs> and he was wearing a wig that blows away in the wind, and then he becomes this shrinking vulnerable man going like no save me and you go on these fucking chases across the city trying to get his wig and it keeps on evading your ass it has so much personality in like every character in every like scenario i just want to make the point that is in the same game as you were trying to solve an ice pick murder (laughs) okay like there's bodies all over with with their eyes gouged out and you are at the fucking precipice of figuring out who it is And you also got to find this man's wig. This is what this game is. It's joyous. It is video games <laughs> incarnate. It's so good. It is. It is the kind of like Japanese uh, game design that we'll never get out of a Western studio. We'll never get a silly mm. fucking. The closest thing that we're gonna get is fucking Saints Row, and it's crass and dumb, and yeah, it's just a GTA clone anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Judgment would never do that. I fucking love Judgment. Judgment's one of my favorite games this year, mm-hmm. for sure. I enjoy it. It's so good. And shout out to anybody who it landed on their game of the year list as mm-hmm. their top game. I know it's Chelsea's game of the year and a few other people's. So that's dope. Number four, my friend. Oh, I think I know what it is. <laughs> you want to play that game? It's probably Control. Can you guess my number four? Yeah. Yeah, it's Control. It's not Control. Or maybe Sekiro. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Number four on this list is Sakiro. Shadows die twice. Game of the year. As Jeff Keeley. According said. to Jeff. Yeah. Fucking paid off, huh? Yeah. Big Activision came in, gave him that big old Miyazaki money, huh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, kudos to getting Miyazaki on a stage. That was awesome. It's always nice seeing that man. Yeah. He's a sweet little creator with darkness in his soul. <laughs> he's the other Miyazaki. He's he's the other Miyazaki. The one yeah. you... Uh, you get the Ghibli one, and you got alley. this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Sekiro gets number four on my list. I think mm. you were a little more enamored with the game than I was. You got the plat. I was just like... Mm-hmm. When I was done with the game, I was glad to be done with it. And oh, that's, yeah. that's not one of those things to say that I didn't enjoy my time mm. with the game. It it's is, a taxing experience. It is the most punishing game i played yeah. this year. To the point where, like, I've recommended it to people, and they got so beat down in, like, the first areas that they're like, I had to put it down. Like, Vargi, I recommended it to him pretty hard. He's like, yeah, it wasn't for me. I had to, like, trade it in. And, like, I respect that. I respect that this game isn't for you. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And, in fact, I got we both got the Platinum and Bloodborne, mm-hmm. played all of the Dark Souls, and I think this is the hardest From Software game that they've made. I really do think so. I think I've had an easier fucking time in Dark Souls 3 than I have in this game. Because this game is a different beast. Yeah. Its its cadence of its fights are a lot different. Um, somebody put it the best. I was reading an article um, that said, you are the sword. And you have to act like the sword. Mm-hmm. Like, you do not shy from a combat, combat. You can't just do, like, side sweeps the entire game mm-hmm. and find success. You need to get in there and fucking mix it up and learn how to parry like a boss. Mm-hmm. And I loved it for that. I loved how aggressive this game was. You were pure aggression in every fight, mm-hmm. but you had to be goddamn smart. It you, Okay. They talk about Dark Souls games where you have to, like, learn every aspect and every move of a yeah. boss. I don't think that's as true as it is here. Mm-hmm. I think you need to learn everything about your opponent. You need to suffer before you prevail. I would say, like, even with the Glass Joes, like, if you let more than one overwhelm you, if you don't know the cadence of their fight style, you're going to get fucked up. Right. You can get destroyed by even the first enemy. Mm-hmm. If you slip, if you miss a move, mm-hmm. yep, 
It is a punishing, grueling game, but if you are willing to get into that that mindset, it is one of the most rewarding games you'll ever play. Mm-hmm. Every boss fight is a fucking, just like a symphony come down. You're like, I'm a god when you yeah. finally beat something. The it, fucking four-day Genichiro stretch of just fighting oh the same god. boss. Dude, I did like three streams fighting that boss. <laughs> and it broke you. I saw a broken man live with me. When I fucking did it, though, I fucking, I think I ripped my shirt off. <laughs> It's crazy good, and I love seeing From Software integrate this kind of, um, you know, platforming mm-hmm. into their title. It made it a vastly more interesting game mm-hmm. than I thought that, like, even just you know, a samurai Bloodborne would have been, mm-hmm. right? And do you think that's because we got a game from them in Activision that they were like, we need a more marketably gameplay heavy game, more traversal, more stuff like that? You know, if they grounded it in the same way, like Bloodborne, like. I think the Soulsborne fans would love it, but it might not have been as accessible, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know, because it, it sounded like Activision was pretty hands-off during the process mm-hmm. of this game. They trusted From Software to just do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. And there was probably already a big communication gap because, because Activision is an yeah, American company and From Software is in Japan. So they're probably just like, how's it going? Oh, we've made a monkey monster. Yeah. His neck explodes into a centipede. And they're <laughs> just like... Okay. <laughs> like, keep working. We'll send you another check. Well, all right. <laughs> we'll keep those royalties coming. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, they wanted to shake something up, right? Mm-hmm. And they had some experience in the Tenchu games back in the day. Yeah. So they were just like, hey, we want to make this other thing that's not... I think the biggest question is, like, how do we set this apart from Neo, which mm-hmm. is basically just Dark Souls with Samurai? Mm-hmm. And they did. It's very different. Yeah. You were fucking shinobi. <laughs> yeah. My friend. Like between your your sword play and your stealth and the way you traverse the world, like you feel like a fucking you feel like wolf the entire time mm-hmm. and it's really cool. Right. I think um the only thing that really sets this game down for me mm-hmm. is because it's it's an it's an exhausting game. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely exhausted by it. I think one day I might be excited to to revisit it in some mm-hmm. way, but I just remember getting through the first run and going like, what the fuck am I anymore? Mm-hmm. I'm beaten. Mm-hmm. You know what it really was? I was having like a really stressful time at work and coming home to a stressful oh, game. Yeah, I remember that. Was not a good <laughs> feeling. That's what it was. You know, it, it, I think it would have ranked higher if I was just like, I have nothing else going on except mm-hmm. for playing Sekiro. That's fair. I might have enjoyed it a bit more, but yeah. I still love the game. I think it's fucking one of the best that they've ever created. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that like the new game plus mm-hmm. runs, they are easy, but then when you hit a boss that you haven't faced before it is that same like okay i'm hitting my head against the wall because mm-hmm. i have to learn the patterns and the dance and da, 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 da. but it's never more it's continually rewarding and you have to be perfect you do that's what it is mm-hmm. but if you're willing it's a good game it keeps on it keeps on giving mm-hmm. keeps on giving cool moments keeps on giving cool boss fights keeps on giving like you know cool power-ups and stuff it, it just gets it gets good mm-hmm. number three on here mr daniel control Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, now, I really now I know did where this that. List is now going. he Are you knows. Serious? I'm very serious. Oh man. No, no, no. Let's just focus on yeah, three. Go on three. Don't. You no know, future spoilers. <laughs> Number three on here is control. Control is a darling. Control is and it had remedy. A it did. <laughs> had a darling of a darling. Uh, remedy is at the top of their game with this. Absolutely at the top of storytelling blended with third person action. I don't think another studio does it as well or better. <laughs> they fucking kill it. No, fuck that. Whatever third person thing. Oh, Division? Get the fuck out of here. What do you think? Resident Evil. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, like, like looking at the Capcom cast. It's different. Anyway. <laughs> Control was one of those games that I just couldn't put down. Mm-hmm. I, as soon as I played it, I, 
I love being in a state of wonder by a game. Mm-hmm. And I remember the opening just being like, what the fuck? Oh, what the fuck is this? What is happening? Yeah. Paintings have my picture on it and they disappear when I turn my back. What the fuck? There's bodies hanging off of the ceiling. There's these fucking shadow monsters tossing things at me. I think I have telekinesis. <laughs> like it gets wilder and wilder. And at the end of the game, you're a fucking Jedi. You're yeah. a fucking Jedi trapped in a Stephen King novel. You're God by the How end of that. How could you not love that? It is a blend of supernatural and fucking action. Your gun is something that's not even... It might be Excalibur. It might be some sort of glyph from another universe. Who knows? What do they call it? Uh, the, the surface, surface weapon. weapon? Yeah. Okay. Surface weapon is awesome. Has a great narrative. Some of the best storytelling, I think, this year. Because it's just... Even if it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, it had a very clear beginning, middle, and end. And, you know, payoff. No, 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 no. It was more about world building. Mm -hmm. The game's focus was on building a universe that you want to get stuck in, that you want to keep on figuring out. That's important for a new IP where you don't know the world. If you don't know the world, you make it interesting. Mm -hmm. And if it's not interesting, you don't want to come back. I wanted to go back into Control's world even after the story was done. I was like, cool, Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesse Faden's story's over, but I kind of want want to know more about this bureau. Mm -hmm. I want to know more about this oldest house. I'm going to get all the DLC that comes out for it because I just want to keep on going mm-hmm. back to it, man. It's it, it's definitely like, um, I think it's going to be a cult game. I think that game's going to go down as like, just yeah. like Alan Wake, it's going to be like, have a big cult following. And whenever it's mentioned, there will always be one person in the room going, fucking control, you know? It's a bummer too, because like it, I think it sold incredibly soft. Like it was not a huge success by commercial standards, but yep. I think Remedy was still probably very proud of it. I just I would like to see them be able to continually support it and potentially do a sequel or more in that universe down the line. I really hope so. I really yeah. hope so because I I really enjoyed that game through and fucking through. What was like what pulled you to it the most? Like if you were like, hey, why do you need to play Control? Like if somebody's like, why should I play this game? What would be your number one reason? Why do you need to play Control? Like why is it a must play game this year? Ooh, I mean, I would say it's one of the more interesting games I've played all year. Mm-hmm. If not one of the most interesting games come out this generation. I Again, oh, wow. I don't see very many games that have this supernatural bent mm-hmm. that doesn't just turn it into like, you know, Cosmos horror mm-hmm. or, you know, gets a little too um, obvious with it, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Like this game had nuance. It definitely felt like you were playing a novel. Mm-hmm. It was almost like novel writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of it is, like, reading about the story through notes mm-hmm. and character interviews and stuff. And there being kind of sparse uh, storytelling, but it was more about, like, the environment telling you what it is and mm-hmm. what's going on. But, like, why? I mean, I think it, I framed the question more so, do you like Stephen King? Mm-hmm. Then this is one of the best games you've ever played. Okay. <laughs> like, if you like that type of story, and I think games seldom do that mm-hmm. kind of story... This is the one doing like a straight up supernatural combat based game. Come on. Come on. That's fun to me. Yeah. No, it's it's everything is there. It's a perfect combination of everything. It's there. So that's why it's number three. Mm. Got two left on here. Talk to me about your number two. Talk to me about the world's greatest delivery, man. Number two on here is Death (laughs) Stranding. My second favorite game of 2019 i really enjoy this game you liked it so much that you popped the plot i popped the fucking plot on that game it took 135 hours 
but I could deliver no more. So is, does this rank so high because you feel obligated to put it this high because of all the time you put into it? Or do you genuinely stand by it as a product? I genuinely stand by okay. it as a product. Okay. Um, no, I don't think it is about the time. No, 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 no. no. I okay. really do think Hideo had a vision in mind, and I don't think any other creator could have laid it out that way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a chicken and the egg, right? Like, we talk about, like, oh, you know, this game wouldn't have gotten attention if it wasn't Hideo. And I was like, mm-hmm. this game wouldn't have gotten made if it weren't for Kojima. Yeah. Nobody else could make this game. That's true. It could only come from his mind. You ever pick up something or you watch a movie and just think, like, nobody else could have made this? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody else could have told this story. Nobody else could have done it this way. I feel that way about, like, the hereditary director sometimes mm-hmm. where I'm just oh, like, yeah. nobody else could have done a movie the way you do a movie. Mm. Nobody else could make a fucking Hideo Kojima production the way that Hideo Kojima could. <laughs> and, of course, it is maudlin. It's got clunky dialogue. Some of its ideas are in your face instead of being nuanced or subtle. Subtlety is not always Kojima's go-to button, right? Mm. But there is a message overall in this game, again, about connections and does about connections. But mm-hmm. the way that it proves that it is about connections, it's not just fluff. There's something real there. You're you're building towards something with other people, but you can't see them, but you know that they're all struggling just the same as you. Mm. And you're trying to make things easier, not for yourself, but for everyone else at a certain point. And it's like, the the better that you do for others, the easier your life gets. And it's one of those games where you start with absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And you build yourself up more and more and more, where you look back at your at your travails... In the first 10 hours of the game and go like, I was a child then. I was no one. I was crawling. I was crawling and now I'm running. I am (laughs) leaping. I'm on zip lines going across the entire fucking map. Whereas before I was worrying about every single rock I was stepping on because anything could trip me up. You get better the more dedication and perseverance you put into that game. Mm. And that mindset... It's kind of bled into other things for me. It was just like, just keep on drilling at it. Mm -hmm. Keep on trying. You will fall accept it that is a part of the journey you will always trip you will always fall you will always lose your cargo Mm -hmm. but you can build yourself up again you can try again and you can keep at it you always have that opportunity it has the same interesting like discipline philosophy that a game like Sekiro has but you actually do see your cause and effect and mark on the world in a way that's kind of fascinating right and especially how like what what's a strand game we didn't know months ago but now i know now i know what it is to put like a week into a game walk away from it for a few days and come back and still have it vibrant and progressing without me because other players are in there doing the work too it's a marvel you know i haven't played any other game like it this generation that's cool and it's it's a rare bird in that way when in that it's like i can't believe i'm playing a triple a game that's basically like an indie game and it's, it's kind of amazing. I really like it. I like what it does. I know some people have problems with the monotony of the game and, you know, the, the fact that, like, it's a delivery game through and through. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't excite you in any way, like, on the, like, and it's not supposed to, I don't think. No, you couldn't have sold me on this game, yeah. like, a year ago. And then the thing about it is, like, you have to get it in your hands to know what it is. Yes. And the experience is so tactile and you really feel like you're in it every step of the way. And you feel invested in it because mm-hmm. of that. Like, I don't know. Like, I think I was talking about, I was playing The Witcher the other day, Witcher 3. Toss a coin to your Witcher, you know? And I remember just getting impatient with, like, me running through towns or being on Roach on my horseback Mm -hmm. and just going like, oh, fuck, it's fucking 500 meters away. God, that's forever. Mm -hmm. And I run into the same, I don't run into the same problems in Death Stranding because I'm just like, 
every step matters. Every step I have mm. to think about, I have to be conscious of. Other video games, they spend so much try- time trying to make traversal unobtrusive that they make it this thing where it's like, if anything gives you any friction on your journey, you're just like, ah, oh, fucking I'm bored, you know? Mm. It's like, ah, oh, it's taking forever to drive there. But the point of Death Stranding are those steps, mm. the steps that you make toward your goal. Because everything is like a puzzle. It's like, how do I get to A to B? Sounds mm. simple, but everything in between A to B is a fucking yeah. shit show disaster. But if you're smart and you write, if you equip yourself right, you prepare right, you use the right tools or figure out how to manage your cargo, you will get there. Mm-hmm. You will succeed. That was the name of the game in the beginning. Like, oh, well, I have a weight limit. How do I balance the stuff? Do I put it in my hands? Do I attach it to my hips? I need a ladder because, well, I can't just climb up that thing. So like, you really have to plan each route in those early days before you can throw down a road or just take a fucking motorcycle across, you know, the, the Mount Knot city or whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to plan that stuff very strategically. And that's not to say that you don't have to continue to, but I think you just get more tools to, uh, traverse with and make your journey easier. I enjoyed building myself up. I enjoyed figuring out the gigantic environment, environmental puzzle that was Mm -hmm. set before me. And I did enjoy its goofy esoteric story. Mm didn't know what really happened and i don't think it's like a super satisfying story Mm. um but i still liked it so yeah one of my favorite games this year because i was just like dude i am enamored with it and i keep on going to it i keep Mm. on thinking about it so that's how i was just like you know what you climb up on the list because even even if i could look at a game like jedi fallen order be like oh it's fucking great i don't think about it Mm. i'm not sitting here just wondering about like hmm what if I was drinking some monster energy drink? <laughs> like, how far could I get? No, but that that was the Death Stranding effect where, like, when I was away from it, I really just wanted to be back into it because yeah. I was so enamored by what it was trying to do, its game design, its entire package. It's, it is th- one of the most fascinating games of the year. Yeah, I would say so, too. And it, most interesting, too. So Most interesting. Mm-hmm. Number one on here is the <laughs> undefeated, indisputable king of all video games, actually. Funny enough, all video games. Mm-hmm. My number one is Resident Evil two wow you didn't see this one coming didn't see this coming i've been i've been saying it since january it's game of the year Mm -hmm. (laughs) i still i still say it is because that game is pitch perfect in my mind Mm -hmm. everything about it is perfect it plays well its story is fucking great it gets in and out it's not over long and it is the most faithful interesting remake of one of the best survival horror games ever fucking made yeah i'll give you that this game is amazing it's it's astounding i don't even think it's like (laughs) It's weird. It's not just a good remake. I think a lot of people try to put it down because it's a remake. Mm -hmm. It's not just a good remake. It's a really good fucking game. Like a modern game. It's a modern, Mm -hmm. amazing game. It does not require you to like know anything about the PlayStation original or even how it played Mm -hmm. or what it was to jump in and be like, oh shit, this is really good. Mm -hmm. Every inch of that game is filled with love. They really, first of all, they went out of their way to remake the 90s. Yeah, that just, was cool. Just because that was the setting of the first game. They're like, fuck it. It's 1998. We're going to make sure that there's fucking butt rock on the radio. We're going to make sure nobody has cell phones. We're going to make sure everything looks like it's in the 90s. And I was just like, what the fuck? Went out of their way in detail, man. Plus, it is one of the scariest titles in the franchise. It effectively manages its scares and its pacing. Mm-hmm. It is perfectly paced. And yet the game is not just like a curated, you're stuck on a rail experience. Mm. You can actually explore the Raccoon City Police Department how you want Mm. and find things in the order that you want. So it has that Metroidvania aspect to it. And then it has this other aspect, which is, hey, you think you're going to get comfortable? Here's this 
fucking homing missile shaped like a gigantic man wearing a hat <laughs> called Mr. X. And just when you're getting comfortable, he's going to chase you down while you're trying to fucking solve some puzzles, making jumping up the anxiety factor to like 11. This game does everything right. I fucking love Resident Evil 2. One of the best. Wow. That's all you got to say about it? Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's fair. I mean, we're going to duke it out more about it. Yeah, sure. I think to the the point of pacing, when I think about some of my favorite Resident Evil games, I think of 7, right? And that game's amazing, and it does all the same things, but it hurts itself with its pacing in one of the latter areas. And I feel like there is an area that's probably least interesting in Resident Evil 2. Sewers. But they don't make you stay there for too long. No. Like, they give you a very few puzzles to work through, and then it's cool. You're on to the next big, more interesting setting. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I think it knows how to, how to play its hand in its areas. It knows that you're going to be in the Raccoon City Police Department for most of the game. So let's make it a sprawl. Let's make it interesting and make it something worth going back through every time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the pacing's perfect. <laughs> I can't argue with that at all. But it, I, I just think it's the king of all games this year. It, it's, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe what the RE engine can do. Mm-hmm. Hell, it gave us Stuff May Cry 5 the way it looks. Yeah. Holy oh, shit. my God. And we're going to get fucking RE3 in like three months. RE3 in three months. What the fuck? It's crazy. And the sound design's amazing. Uh, the Oh, my God. <laughs> God, I love the original sound effects that they put in there, too. Yeah, I think you played it with the original soundtrack and effects for the most part, right? For the most part. More yeah. so than the original. But, yeah, it's a great game. It's great. That's my top ten. Okay. Well, we'll get more from you when we go back to the, the winner's bracket yeah, yeah, yeah. in another 20, 30 minutes, because let's see. Yeah, you got to give me some action. I got to give you some action. Okay, so my top 10 is, it, it always works this way where like ours is kind of just a reconfiguring of like the other person's list. It always list. is. I knew Anyways, it would be. It, it, it always goes that That's way. why we actually need to come together and make one list. But we rank ours <laughs> for different reasons, because these games spoke to us in different ways. They spoke yeah. through us. We became one with them. And <laughs> that that's the coolest part of this year. Of yeah, like like I said earlier, Days Gone probably fucking is like way higher on your list than it ever was. I don't know. Do me. you want to, you can take a stab at where you think it lands. I think you're you fucking probably put it as like number three or some shit. Okay, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> okay, number ten on my list though is the division two. I said if ever a division comes out in a year, it'll make it on my list. The funny thing about in division a year, two, like if it comes out, it's gonna make it because is division coming out in a year. <laughs> <laughs> I think the division as a shooter plays better than so many games. It is just phenomenal to have your hands on. It feels very satisfying to have a loadout. Everything feels mapped and configured perfectly. The cover system's great. The the fucking, um, what do you call it? The uh, vaulting. Getting in a squad and just taking down like a local militia or doing what you need to, it just feels so satisfying because at a core level, the gameplay feels great. Um, Like I said before, I think the setting of Washington, D.C. is leagues more interesting than New York was, although New York is still a great location and a great place to kind of launch the franchise. I rank it so low because like division one i didn't finish it so i didn't even get to world tier status i think every time i would jump in it with you we would do like higher tier missions and i'm like i don't know what i'm really doing but to the game's credit it scales perfectly so i never felt like if you were level 20 i was fighting level 20 people you know it did a good median for it all and i every time i went back to it i was like man this is a a treat i don't know why i didn't stick with it i think it's just because sometimes online multiplayer games are hard for me to keep with you know because it's really not my flavor but the division by all means atmospherically is fucking phenomenal plays well and uh yeah i'm excited to see them continue the franchise for somebody who doesn't care about military shooters the fact that this franchise always ranks for me says a lot about it yeah all you have to do to make me not interested in the game is put tom clancy's name on the yeah, title exactly like i don't care for him as a 
creator, you know, his uh, books, any of that stuff. You can't say that about dead people. You have to like his stuff. That, that's fair. But, like, to make me care about a military shooter. <laughs> You're like, that's fair. <laughs> no, like, you're right. Like, I like dead people shit. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> um, where was I going to go with that? And it, it bums me out that I didn't keep with it because I know that there was more to it. Like, the, the Dark Zone, the PvP shit, apparently they really listened to people's feedback and made it even cooler this time around. Like, the loot, apparently, like, the loot drop system was improved. And, like, it's really cool to see a live service game that is both multiplayer and single player in ways mm-hmm. take this like approach and adapt and become better with future iterations. So my hat's off to Ubisoft. They did a great job. Hats off. Division yeah. two. One of the best. Yeah. But for some reason it doesn't rank higher than my next one. Um, Why? Like, this one has legacy for me. My number nine is kingdom hearts three. Oh, <laughs> wow. Is, yeah. It's, it's a weird one, right? I'm sorry. You could have didn't like a, a top 11. Yeah. If you needed yeah, to, if I needed to edge it out. Just to put that a little lower. Uh, okay. So why actually that, that's just my question. Why? Why? Why kingdom hearts three? Yeah. Why? Um, it's not even that it has legacy for me. Not that I was waiting. You just said it had legacy for you. No, I'm saying it's not even that it does have that. Like, yeah, sure. I was waiting 13 years for the sequel and sure. It's 13 years. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I was like actively. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Like when PS3 came out, I was so stoked for Kingdom Hearts 3 to be oh. a launch title or land. And then when it didn't, I was like, what's going on? So wait for that on huh? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> wait for that on PS3. <laughs> we got it fucking 13 years later. And in a lot of ways, it delivers. In a lot of ways, it doesn't. And it's a very uneven experience. And maybe that's what Kingdom Hearts has always been. But I think I was able to accept it more in the, the earlier iterations. Um, this game definitely reeks of having a very rocky development. I think... Oh, I will say it's the best a Kingdom Hearts game has ever played in terms of combats. Oh, but I feel like some of the levels and the story, like it, you can tell where it went through its its troubles. Yeah. Um. Can you name a really good level? That's from the problem. Kingdom Hearts. 3? Like I look back on the previous ones and I'm like, man, like I didn't care about half these worlds like in their di- respective Disney verse, but like I really like playing in that space. Never it's had fun. a Nightmare Before Christmas exactly never had shit like that exactly this one didn't have tron you know didn't have tron and i think um it's scaled down its world approach like there are less worlds and i think pixar has more worlds at stake here and they spent time to curate a very true experience to those worlds that's why we got a full-on fucking let it go musical number in in frozen world and arendelle that's not pixar Part of it, too. Well, okay, I would say with, um, I don't know, Toy Story even, you know. They try to deliver, like, true experiences to those worlds. Yeah. I, I remember the toys from Toy Story not being funny at all. Oh, yeah, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> and it, so I think that was it for me, too, where it's, like, a lot of stuff that I was looking forward to, like, after years of hype, like, Toy Story and Big Hero 6 and all these places, it just didn't deliver for me the way I wanted it. And I think maybe that's because I've matured past that part of what Kingdom Hearts should be. After getting Birth by Sleep and seeing a really cool, different type of story, I wanted more of that. And I think where mm-hmm. this game comes in and like does a lot of that work to like kind of complete the overall story and bring in those like cooler characters, it succeeds. Like the last hours of the game are the most interesting because it focuses on like Aqua and Terra and you know those characters and and kind of moves the Keyblade legacy to an end that doesn't concern itself with. Well, we got to see what Don. Donald and Goofy are doing with fucking, uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, name a character from the Kingdom Hearts series. <laughs> no, I was thinking just, of his... Just throw an X in something and you'll name a character. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of the character from fucking uh, uh, Frozen the Snowman. I forget his name. Olaf. Olaf, yeah. yeah. Like, you're not concerning yourself with what's going on with Olaf or Tangled. You're concerning yourself with the actual like prescient matters of the world. And I think that's when it's most interesting. Yeah, I would say the third act is probably like the best part of the game mm-hmm. when it 
finally gives up on trying to show you Disney World yeah. and actually go back to the anime Weibo story mm. that they want to tell, that you could tell they desperately like, want to tell they that They wanted story. to tell it so bad, and it's it's a bummer because I wanted to see yeah. that. But and They keep on getting interrupted by this Disney bullshit. Yeah. This is exactly how the game feels. Well, to get interrupted by that or like characters giving monologues about exposition about themselves or people because like it does such a weird job at explaining itself as a game. I don't know how like, this ends up in number nine, though. Like, because... Because it plays well. It is probably one of the best playing games right. I played this year in terms of combat. Like, it was dumb. Really? Hack and slashy fun, but I loved it. That's a fascinating yeah. statement to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's it, man. Like, it didn't have to rank for you, but I think it, it plays very well. Okay. So. I think your love for Kingdom Hearts needs to go in the closet with the used posters that you tore listen, down from your walls. I listened to That my, was the era. <laughs> I listened to my heart and I hear Mickey calling from within. <laughs> really, all I can taste is a taste of ink. <laughs> okay, goddamn you. <laughs> What's <the> next? <laughs> number 8 on here. Um I think we can agree on a lot of this game. Uh, my number 8 is Borderlands 3. Um a lot of the reasons it didn't rank higher is because it's a pale imitation of its formers. Uh Borderlands 2 had the superior roster it treats its legacy cast with more respect um and it had a better antagonist like handsome jack is like a, a villain to remember for the generation yeah two through and through is a yeah. better game that, that should not be a doubt yeah in anyone like mind. i think the calypso twins had an interesting bent in terms of like yeah. okay we have to make a modern you know uh celebrity type villain you know and we need to make influencers yeah. enemies and i'm just like okay yeah. most of the people that are streaming your game won't fucking mm-hmm. get what you're trying to say it, it was interesting but only in the end I, I really didn't like them in the beginning hours but i think when they try and pull their story into like um the greater borderlands world i was like okay now i'm interested i think screwball from spider-man last year was more no, effective than the fucking say that. but <laughs> it was probably more on the point on a core level this yep. game plays amazing much like you know fucking division like the gunplay feels amazing covering and faulting and all of it and sliding and you're really in there and you feel like it's fast-paced combat and you get every single gun you could ever dream of and more like gun management like that i remember loving that about like the original borderlands and there's a stress that comes with it too because you get attached to a gun you're like this is my gun nothing's gonna feel better but then you come across a shotgun that does like five times more damage and you're like okay it's like that meme with the the guy the two girls and the guy oh i know (laughs) yeah yeah. i got you yeah so like picking up a new gun was always really really exciting i just felt like after a while the loot system really was weak because i would pick up things and i'm like this isn't anywhere nearly as good as what i want to be having yeah but playing with friends felt like a lot of fun like even if i didn't care about the story it was fun to just kind of whisk from planet to planet and mission to mission and just fucking hack down psychos and robots and dinosaurs and i don't know it was just a real fun experience to have i think Pandora, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and call it uh, Pansnora in this instance because wow. some of the more interesting parts of that game Went weren't there. even in Pandora. Like That's true. Eden Six, when you go to the other planets, there's like such a vibrant ecosystem of enemies and things to do, and it's like it's cool to see Borderlands go there. You know, like if we were concerned with how Gearbox was gonna make it feel larger than itself, they succeeded. So not game of the year material for me, but it's definitely worth noting because it's on like, top ten. It's it's in my top ten, yeah, um, because like no game felt that way for me this year in terms of playing it like it's like you said like when you walked away from it you still wanted to play it there was a point where you're playing outer mm-hmm. worlds and you wanted to feel like borderlands but it didn't you know yeah yeah that's true um yeah i i would give it a lot of credit and i do like how it handles some of its legacy cast but i do feel like it just does some ridiculous things with them too like uh the firehawk we're not going to talk about it in full but like you know they, they 
they took some liberties. That they took some like, liberties. Okay. They took some liberties with the characters. And everybody's a siren. Like, come on. Fucking 15 <laughs> sirens in that game. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But probably one of the coolest gameplay experiences I had all year, and I'm surprised it actually made it on my list. Me too. I'm surprised too, because I was just like, ah, it's Borderlands. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I remember a time and a yeah. place where Borderlands meant something. It did. It meant something. And, you know, it had the disadvantage of having Tales from the Borderlands set the bar and all this other stuff where I feel like characters came in and they weren't actually fully served the way they should have been. No. But it is what it is, you know. No. That's Borderlands 3 for me. Borderlands 3. Number Ow, 7 on here. Um, another game I didn't finish, but it is worth noting. Outer Worlds. I think Outer Worlds is probably one of the smartest. Seven? Yeah. One of the smartest, funniest, and charming games I've played all year. It is seething with personality. Um, with every character interaction, every world you go to, and every little quest line, it is just, it is Obsidian, you know? It is the Fallout game that Fallout, that uh, Bethesda couldn't put out, you know? Mm-hmm. It is an open world game, but it doesn't consider it, like, um, concern itself with being a sprawl. And I think that plays in its favor, because you do get more contained environments that, like, you're in in shorter periods of time. You're like, cool, I feel like I did everything and now I can move on to the next thing. The only problem with that is like sometimes those worlds feel kind of rote and you're like, okay, I'm going to the next world to just do the same sort of things I was doing in the previous ones. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of detrimental, but it also plays in its favor. I really, really like all of it. Like just playing as that character, recruiting your team, the companions, the missions you go on, the fact that you could play it as a, you know, barbarian and kill your way through every quest line and, or talk your way through everything. Like you really had the full option of playing it however you wanted. And that made it really unique for everybody. I couldn't really tell you the overarching story that was going on, but I could tell you that doc Brown woke you up. Like like I really couldn't (laughs) tell you like why I'm doing the things that I I'm doing. But, you know, I can tell you that it is probably the most genuine spacefaring adventure I've had all year that wasn't called Star Wars. You know, it was, it's it's unique. And I really, I think about it every day because it had a whimsy to it. You that think about theme, Outer Worlds I, every day? I think about it every day. And it's not because it's just on my cross media bar, but because there's <laughs> something about it that calls to me that I like, I want to know where it goes. Gotcha. You know, and that's the mark of a good story. You know, like it has its teeth in you and you want to see it through. The only reason I didn't is because it came out in fucking October and, you know, all these other games came out. Every other game <laughs> in the world came out at the same time. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I wanted to go back. I thought it might rank somewhere in my top 10, but I, I honestly, I don't feel like it gave it enough of a shake. And I also mm. put it down so fast that it was just like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a telling symptom of like, maybe it's not like hitting me as much as I want it to, mm-hmm. which happens to some people. Yeah. I think the story is fantastic. I just think the gameplay is really subpar. And I think that's like this unfortunate side effect of the Fallout games Mm -hmm. that for some reason, because it's like, hey, the RPG aspects are so good, Mm -hmm. the shooting aspects have to suffer so hard. Yeah, and I want studios like Obsidian and Bethesda to walk away from that. Like, you can have solid gameplay and solid RPG mechanics and storytelling devices. Like, they're not exclusive. I don't don't understand, like, why they struggle with it. But, you know, if you had somebody like, I don't know, id coming in and making an RPG, they'd probably succeed with the gameplay but struggle with the RPG elements. Yeah, I agree. That's probably it. Um, But, you know, I will say it does play better than any Fallout game in terms of combat, and its version of um, VATS is far more interesting and fun for me. Slow motion. Yeah, it's it's slow motion. You're in there and you're doing the thing. Switching between weapons feels weird and hammy for as often as you need to do it because, like, there is a, a level of, like ammo management and mm-hmm. weapon degradation all that shit that i hated in games like breath of the wild but i didn't mind it here because i was really just enamored by the world yeah. um and god the outer worlds are we talking about outer world or outer wilds 
Also, also that, yeah. Really hard like, to that tell. That was part of that conversation. Really hard year. to tell. I gotta beat that game. Yeah, so. I do too. It's gonna be one of the next ones I come back to in my backlog spell. Um, number six, I would have loved to have seen this game rank higher for me, but after a while... You could do it. You still have the chance. <laughs> it actually had the opposite effect for me over time where like I just wanted to get through it. Um, Death Stranding. My number six. Ah, number six? Yeah, I know. I'm... How are you going to bitch a game like that, dude? How are you going to straight up bitch a game like that? <laughs> Listen, I get that the true delivery man will deliver man, but after a while, I had enough with it. Did you not? It was about connections. I get that. Daniel? I get that. Six? Number six. Fuck, It dude. didn't even make it in my proper top five. You didn't even make it in your proper top five. And okay. It is probably one of the most interesting games I played, not only all year, but in my entire life. It is a spectacle to see what Kojima has put together. I don't even think I like Kojima games like that, but I love this game. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) just the. If you told me, hey, you're going to like a game about delivering packages and shifting your weight and climbing mountains, but you can't jump up mountains like you would in Skyrim, I'd be like, okay, that sounds dumb. I have to walk everywhere. You gotta walk everywhere. I'm not playing that game. But you left for California for a weekend and yeah. I had time to just get into it and I couldn't get enough of it. Like the, the world's interesting. It's take on a post-apocalyptic world is horrific and, and just so interesting to kind of like and progress sad. with and sad. Yeah. The idea of like the BTs and the event that was the death stranding and the fact that everybody lives underground and you're delivering like holograms, like packages and putting them back on these networks so they can rebuild society is, is fascinating in its approach. Um, and you're just delivering packages for people. <laughs> like, the metagame of it is so cool. I think its opening cinematic moments are probably, like, the hook, really. Like, when you're on your bike, and Fragile comes in and does its thing, and you're like, okay, I got knocked off my bike, I gotta pick up those packages. And then you start the first walk, right? And you're walking, and Low Roar kicks in, and you're like, wow, this is something special. This game is unlike anything. And it only continues with that over the course of like the next 10 to 20 to 30 hours 135 and or 35 and the thing uh, is like 135 okay i won't take that away from 100 you. You platinum 135 we talk about a game like i don't know red dead or days gone it's like it shouldn't take 10 hours for a game to get good and it's no. like the people are gonna look at this game and be like 10 hours this game sucks but like the game is what it is it builds on itself and you can't say that the first 10 hours are identically like the next 10 because they're different Mm -hmm. because the world's building around you and you're getting different skill sets and ways to traverse that make it more interesting and i think as they ramp up the deliveries too like yeah you're delivering packages in the first one but then you deliver a body and you're delivering bombs you're delivering all this shit that like really build the world and tension in fascinating ways so i don't know i like it i like it a lot number six though number six i think it tell me there's five other games that you were like oh these are way better than death stranding i think after a while with death stranding i got kind of bogus bullshits on this list (laughs) i got i got bored with it too where i'm like i want to move the story along and then when i got to the story beats and like the more cinematic stuff i'm like oh this is cool but then i was like it doesn't always do it very well like it's a take on being Mm. a military shooter isn't as good as it could be oh yeah for a game that's like concerns itself with a different gameplay mechanic and then being like okay we're gonna be metal gear now i don't think it straddles both worlds as competently as it could yeah it's one of those things where i i just don't think kojima knew how to like Mm -hmm. tell that part of the story in any other way even in like an interesting mechanical sense Mm -hmm. because like honestly he just wanted to give you like four hours of cutscenes and he's like ah yeah gamers gotta play this part okay here you go yeah i think they learn from like metal gear solid four and five you know? I think that's what it was because it was just like honestly all that shit could have been wrapped up in a cutscene and you mm-hmm. would have been like okay cool back yeah. to deliveries you yeah know? exactly yeah and I mean to his credit like the cutscenes are awesome mm. I think it's some of the best acting I've ever seen in a game 
the photogrammetry and all of it like i'm like wow like these characters look so well realized from the celebrities that are acting them oh uh, i really don't like norman reedus winking at me he's honestly the weakest part of the game for me like fucking wink at me the, the, the cast is amazing but he's just kind of like befuddling at times because <laughs> <laughs> they they go for this like half stoic half yeah like every man chime up yeah he's like an every man i'm like norman reedus is not every no you cast norman reedus make him a full-ass character don't make him this character we project our everything onto because it's not it's not skyrim it's a different game i don't think norman reedus has the amount of charisma required yeah to be like a leading man (laughs) that's fair (laughs) to be honest with you so i i i think he was meant to be kind of boilerplate i will say when it comes to the combat that they introduce while Mm -hmm. some of it's kind of lame duck like fighting um ungers ghost army yeah. or whatever the fuck i do like running into mules and fucking like getting mm-hmm. into an encounter where it's like you know what i'm like gonna bowl a string every single one of you motherfuckers yeah. like it engages you in creative ways of being tactical like breath of the wild does it's like everybody's gonna approach the world differently sure it wants you to be non-violent it's like hey if you kill somebody it's gonna have cause and effect so it's like okay i have to parry and tie people up or do the bola queue or like whatever yeah you know? or maybe just run through an area and run out so like it really kind of pushes you to play it differently and i i do like some of the boss encounters i think the first boss encounter like blew my mind it's fucking awesome what they do with the tar monsters yeah. like I, I just think that shit was like you know what this is the epic scale shit that you should well, lean on more. I would say even like sneaking your way through a high area BT field and then moving on to the next like cinematic moment feels so fucking tense. Yeah, and it's like exhilarating. It's, it's cool. And that's why it ranks like higher for me, even though it's a game I haven't finished because it's phenomenal and a lot of what it does. Okay. But like, I just, I didn't finish it, so I can't put it higher. Okay. My, my bottom five is literally games that like I beat and I was kind of like mad about or they're just games I didn't finish. So. All right. I mean, I like all the games in my top yeah. five. You, like, the way you rank it, you're just like, I feel eh about these ones. So no, my, like... my bottom five? Like, yeah, like Kingdom Hearts, I thought, would that even rank in my top five? Hell no, it wouldn't. But for a 10, yeah. It will rank at all. <laughs> so many people would, would argue otherwise. But to get on to the top all five. All those people are wrong, Daniel. <laughs> Every single one of them. Well, we can fight them in an epic battle royale. Everything else is subjective. Episode. Kingdom Hearts 3 being good is, is, is wrong is wrong listen i want to i want to <laughs> honor Nomura's work you know that guy yeah i told you he probably has an entire usb of magic porn <laughs> just like him and randy it was they actually, left at a cat cafe that wasn't randy's fucking usb <laughs> oh, it was Nomura. actually Nomura's. <laughs> oh <my laughs> left goodness. at a cat cafe <laughs> yeah uh we found this in a pair of trip pants <laughs> at a nico cat cafe <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> number five on here. This one actually is it surprised me that it, it ranked so high. Um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. I bitched about this game a lot. Yeah, you did. I, like you would think I hated this game much like I think I, you do. think I would hate control. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I do love Jedi Fallen Order because like I got to give it to Respawn. The bastards did it. They made a good Star Wars game. They did. They, they, Respawn did it of all people. And what does that mean? They don't make games like this, really. They make, like, more multiplayer-leaning games. Like, Titanfall, yeah, had a single-player campaign, but didn't Titanfall 1 start as, like, a multiplayer game? Hmm. You know? Apex Legends. Actually, Respawn made Uncharted 3. No, they didn't. No, they Get the didn't. fuck out of here. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to let you come at me like that. I, I wish they had something in their catalog. Actually, they made Batman, bro. No, to see them kind of, like, step up where there was a void of a promised Star Wars game, you know, uh, Ragtag from Amy Henning or Star Wars 1313 or all these games that were supposed to be the next big Star Wars thing. Yeah. And then for them to come along and just make something that like really surprised everybody, 
it is a Star Wars game, like from start to finish. It feels like an adventure. Like you said, that whole Jedi on the run approach works really well. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see a game not concern itself fully with being a Skywalker lineage title. Like it is at its best when it's doing something different. And I really, really respect that about it. Yeah, there's tie-ins to the world. You Mm -hmm. go to fucking Darth Maul's planet and you go to Kashyyyk and you go to all these like really landmark set pieces that they do cool things with it. Like, but it's not primarily trying to be like okay how do we fit luke into this how do we fit Ryan, Ray into this right. and like i think like <clears throat> the idea of taking this jedi on the run telling his story about like um what happened during the events of what order 66 mm-hmm. and how he became a jedi and then have this ragtag group that he goes and tags along with and seeing their story bounced against like the greater antagonist it's really well done it's really really well done yeah <laughs> like, i love it I, I do love that game. I, again, like I have some mechanical issues with it, mm-hmm. but it is amazing to see a studio like Respawn come out of the gate and be like, hey, we're known for shooters. We made something else. Yeah. And we fucking nailed it on our first try. <laughs> yeah. I could say the game probably could have used a lot more QAing because it's yeah. buggy as shit. It is not. Sure. You fell through the map so many times. Super polished. And like, I think it, there was pressure to rush it. And yeah, like I fell through the map a lot, but I also, there were points where I was breaking that game because I was getting the platinum. So I was doing stupid shit right. in the levels. And <laughs> I think I stressed my console out <laughs> during the duration of that platinum. Yeah. It really did seem like mm-hmm. it was uh, <laughs> your PS4 standard yeah. edition, but I would I'm say struggling. like, the idea of like traveling from planet to planet was like really interesting like going on that story and seeing the set pieces and like doing the hallmark star wars things of like taking down an atsd or like piloting an atat yeah. like on kashik or like all that shit or getting into like these like one-on-one fights like i was like damn i feel like i'm in this world and it's like very realized but like you said the combat wasn't always great it felt flimsy at times it didn't feel precise like, it would have ranked higher if it played like Sekiro or if Sekiro didn't come out this year, but, you know. Some of the map design was dog shit. I'm yeah. I to say that. I, I think dog shit. first run through maps, like, I felt better about it, but when I had to retraverse and go back to areas and do shit again, I'm like, I would get stuck in areas, and it was... it. I walked away from the game, like, for nights at a time and have to come back, and I'm like, okay. It felt like a chore to pick it back up, but I knew once I considered myself with the main story beats and, like, finding out more about, like... The sisters and Trilla and who was the character that they added in the end that was so cool? Oh. The night sister, not the night sister. Is it Marin? Yeah, Marin. Marin was so fascinating. She was so fine. Yeah, so fine. That was that was really so, the, the sticking point for me. Great Star Wars game. I felt like a Jedi, and I honestly she was can't. super attractive. She was so hot. Yeah. Are we into aliens? Maybe Sexually attracted to aliens. What's the last alien that I said that I was attracted to? Mm, probably something from Bas- uh, Mass Effect Two. No, no, it hasn't been that long. It hasn't I'd... been that long since you had an alien lust. <laughs> Definitely not. No, actually, I think Trilla was the one I was really attracted oh, to oh, as well. She's, but she's a human. Yeah, she's a yeah. human. But a Sith. Is she a human? Yeah. Is she a human? <laughs> Who really knows with Star Wars? <laughs> so that yeah, that's my time with uh, yep. Jedi Fallen Order. Number four, a little mm-hmm. game called Control. A little uh, game called Control. Another game that you could say that if you listened to the previous episode, you would think I'd hate he hates but, it no I, I really was enamored by control in the same way that you are where it was just a really interesting uh, original ip uh creating that whole mythos behind the oldest house and the way it worked was just so fascinating and like by the end i still didn't really even know how it all came together and worked but like i'm not care. supposed to you're not supposed to because it's <laughs> it's a mystery and that's yep. the thing about supernatural things um i think the character of jesse faden is very well done i don't think the story always serves her though because like it feels kind of like and not to disservice like 
games like Dead Space because I love Dead Space, but like it's like you have these sh- ten chapters that you do rote missions through, and they're the least interesting part of what you're doing in the game. Like yeah. everything else is that's happening around you is more fascinating. Like finding out the mystery of the house or finding like unlocking more abilities and like finding out the why of it all. I think is far more interesting than like the beat of like I gotta find my brother. <laughs> or like I have to like restore power to this one area and do this one thing. It just feels very rote in that way. Yeah, I think they had to have a driving motivation for yeah. Jesse to even be there. But like mm-hmm. honestly, it's like enough to be like, what is this place? Yeah, and that could be the whole game. Like, exactly. What is this place? Yeah, like oh, why did the director kill himself? Why am I now being why called the new director? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what about the service weapon called to me? Yeah, what, the brother I can hold it. Like, the brother storyline did feel pretty non-essential. Like when you get through the whole game, you're like okay, I guess he set up some plot elements, but who gives a shit about him? Mm-hmm. I really well, just care about Jesse. Yeah, I think learning about their history was more interesting than actually finding out about him. Although when yeah. they do bring him into the fold, it is kind of cool. I just don't think they resolve it in a good way. I don't think that game gets, like, resolved, resolved. It doesn't. Like, it like, doesn't have a closed-ended story. Well, they try to resolve it with him, and then you peel back into the the oldest house, and you're like, okay, I'm the director now, and now you guys listen to me, and I'm doing my thing until yeah. the next big supernatural bad comes along. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. continuing, yeah. you know, Buffy doesn't die in the hell mouth. Exactly. She fucking keeps on fighting yeah. in Sunnydale. But if you consider it, like, part of a serialized whole, it's more interesting, like, that you can keep telling stories yeah. in that universe. I like the gameplay a lot. I think you, it has its problems with balancing of enemies and a lot going on and it doesn't always feel clean, but like you do feel like a God by the end and you feel like you can at least manhandle your way through set Mm -hmm. pieces until like the next boss that you come along. And that too, the fact that there were bosses in that game that like little hidden areas that like if you explored it, it paid off for you. Yeah, I love the exploration in that game. I, I love that you can go on these side branches where it's like, this is not a part of the main story, but mm-hmm. I would be mad if I missed this. That's yeah. how it feels. Yeah, and I think like if you didn't chase the Platinum, you wouldn't have seen a lot of it. No. It's kind of a bummer. This is why we're Platinum Chasers, yeah. man. We, if we like a game, we mm-hmm. want to see every inch of a game. Okay, that's it. Yeah. I'm trying to think, though, like, I don't know. The sound design was amazing. Like, you played it with your gold, right? And it was one of those games where, like, I wanted to have my full ears and attention to it because it was telling you not only a visual but an audio story mm-hmm. with a lot of like the hiss voicing and like the audio logs and everything. And Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I'm still so enamored. It's, good by game. It. it's, it's a good. great game. It's a great game. So good. Fucking great. What but that's get? my number four. My number three, you called it is days gone. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it'd be your number three. And I'd be like, that's crazy. That's number three. Like it's it, like for, for you to be like, Oh, fucking death stranding is high for you. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm just like, what the fuck days gone is that high? Just cause you beat it. Is that it? No days gone. <laughs> Think about how yeah. you got sold on Days Gone, right? You played it, yep. and you walked away from it. Yep. But then you would come back, and you would see me sing the song of Deacon St. John. Like, what is he doing? You're like, what, why is he playing this game? And you would see the shit I was doing, and you're like, wow, that actually looks kind of cool. It's because I stuck with it, and I found the reward more immediately than you did. Like, yeah, it doesn't do a lot new in terms of being an open-world game, oh. but I like the loop, and I thought it was fun. Like, I actually really enjoyed it a lot. The... Uh, opening areas don't really serve it as well as it could like the first two camps it's kind of whatever right and being on your bike feels kind of stupid until you upgrade it to a way where it feels like oh i'm actually if you want like i'm on a bike that feels worth driving you know yeah. and and exploring the world with it and some of the resource shit that they throw at you early on is like oh i have to manage this i have to manage like repairing my weapons and scrapping and resourcing for my bike but like it's not as bad as you think it is actually like because you get so many things that you could like scavenge for like every car trunk has things that you can use for your bike and there's a fuel depot like every other minute so like i wasn't bogged down by like the open world stuff as much as i thought i was gonna be because 
I was so gripped by the story. The story of Deacon St. John and Sarah and, yeah, Beacon, or what's his name? Beacon. Uh, Beacon. Boozer we at got times. Beacon St. Don. <laughs> Beacon and Deacon. And Deacon St. John. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that, that driving force of, like, okay, there is a AAA Sony first-party story here, and I think it's up there with some of the best from this generation in terms of, like, what they tried to tell you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great narrative. It just takes a while to get there. And some of the slow burn, yeah, and like some of the stuff they want you to do in the encampments, it's like you really want me to do this for everybody and build up loyalty for everybody, yeah. But it's like you give yourself to the world and it goes back to you, you know. That's true. I I actually like the gameplay more than you did. I liked getting into scraps with freakers. I liked the gunplay. I liked taking down bandit camps and freakers and and building myself to the point of taking down hordes. Like it all felt just fucking awesome and satisfying and. I, yeah, I don't think I hated it as much as you did as the thing. I hated it? Yeah. Like, you you think I hate the you game? Didn't, you don't like the combat at all. But it's number six, and you think I hate <laughs> I mean, I put Death Stranding at number six, and you said the same thing. Oh, you hate Death Stranding? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's a number six, you must hate it. You must hate it if it's number six, dude. That's, um, that's a failing grade. But I wouldn't say it had a blow-my-mind ending. It had one that just it really tug at my heart, and that yeah. third act is probably one of the coolest things that that game had to offer. And <sighs> Yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, the way that that cast, like, um, uh, basically worked with each other was so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, ah, oh, Well, they do this real. back and forth, like, pre-outbreak, post-outbreak thing, and I think some of the dimension you get, because uh, Sam Witwer, oh, he's in it as an actor with this one, but I think he shines his best, like, when he's stripped down to just those intimate conversations with him and Sarah. Sure. And you get the sense of, like, why I should care about him. Because otherwise, like... It's Sons of Anarchy with zombies. I don't give a shit about that. That there's no heart to that. Yeah. But they give it a heart, and I think that's what makes it special. And a lot of people miss that. A lot of people miss it because of like at surface level, it does look like that. It looks like this shallow fucking yeah. open yeah. world for nothing game, right? It's not. It is it's far from shallow. It really it grows on you, it changes, it's a good game, and I'm it's the saddest narrative is that it's gonna be overlooked mm. and I can't promise you a sequel. I cannot promise you that they're going to build in that world ever again. It's it's unfortunate because I do think it sold well, but probably not as well as it needed to. A lot of a lot of bad games apparently sold well. Like Anthem sold really well, yeah, despite the fact that it's Anthem. <laughs> you know, so game games have done that this year mm. where it's just like really like uh, what what was the one that Ubisoft was surprised? Ghost Recon mm-hmm. Breakpoint. Yeah, they're like, oh uh, yeah, it's number one for October, and everyone was like, what the yeah, fuck? Right? You 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 guys literally change your entire strategy for the next fourteen years because this game was mm-hmm. bad, and you're telling me it was number one? Yeah, I don't know what's successful to a publisher anymore. It's it's true. This one fucks me up too because like yeah. Deacon St. John will never be the mascot that Aloy Aloy was or Joel no. or Nathan Drake. It's like no, this is no one's cosplaying Deke. It sucks because this game is bound to be forgotten, and you never want to say that about like a sony first party game also you don't want to be at a bar cosplaying deke and have an actual hell's angel walk up to you and be like <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't yeah. i don't recognize your uh, bandana there buddy you think uh, my lifestyle is a fucking joke <laughs> you're just like oh, you're like, oh god where's shoehead <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's days gone i loved it you should too number two on here though uh resident evil 2 remake oh and then i know what your number one is it's, it's pretty predictable i knew it would be this i knew I it would be this it's, it, it's fine it's not here, here's the thing this is like my conversation last year with god of war and spider-man being like flipped for number one and number two between the two of us okay. right it's not to say one is a worse game than the other. They're both great games. They both do great things. It's just like, I think I liked one more than the other is kind of what it was. You've liked Sekiro more than Resident Evil 2. Yep. 
Okay, let me ask you a question. No, we are pressed for time. You can ask okay, me Okay, fine, later. go ahead. Resident Evil 2 was a phenomenon for me um, in that I had never played the first one, so or the, the original Resident Evil 2, and I was just like, I don't know that I'm going to like this the way that you did. What are you, Greg Miller? You like, want to talk about how I never had that connection yeah. with the, these old school Resident Evils. Like, I just, controls. I just thought it was going to be overhyped because it's all you fucking talk about. Resident Evil 2? Yeah. I thought it was going to be super, super underwhelming. I, I thought it was going to be for a reason. very, very, like, whatever. Resident Evil 2, the original, is the best game ever fucking made, Daniel. And that's and the this thing. this is the better game ever made. And that's the thing about the remake. Everything you said about it was true. Everything true. you promised about the original was envisioned here in such a great way I've that, like, lied. really blew my mind. I sat with this game that Saturday for eight or so hours, and I, like, probably could have beat it that one day that's how like taken to i was because it's it's fucking awesome like it it shies away from the tank controls in a way that feels awesome it plays like a great shooter building your arsenal feels rewarding like it does in most survival horror games um just how you approach rooms is even interesting where it's like okay i approached it the this way the first time but i didn't kill all the zombies so i know that this room is a live threat when i come back to it it really makes you think about each play session or if you forget about it it takes you by surprise you know Mm -hmm. where it's like oh i forgot about that room oh shit there's a fucking liquor in there and like it's it's fascinating and it's like always a live approach of of the mark you leave on on the the world i like claire i like leon i think they are both well served by their voice actors i love them together i love their chemistry and i want more of them give me every game with them they give each other fuck me eyes oh god she she wants him so bad it was the realest moment i've ever experienced in a resident evil game when i was just like these two people want to fuck each other yeah yeah and i i like the raccoon police department more than i like the spencer mansion to be honest i think it's just everyone does uh, everyone spencer mansion feels so secluded in a a locked era of gaming Mm -hmm. it's you got to pay homage to it it's an amazing game it's survival horror but i respect the rpd and i like the way you move through it a lot more it just I, how you unravel with it seems a bit more interesting for me and like the history of it being like a fucking art museum too it's like wow there's something more here and it's weird it's a nightmare rooted in reality yeah exactly that's like yeah. some mansion in the middle of the woods yeah that's scary but it's not like a likely scenario mm. your neighborhood flipping it yep. shit zombies everywhere fucking people dying in the streets now that's something that you can uniquely say oh that could happen yeah. <laughs> you know so and, like i thought that was going to be a cool setting and i didn't think anything was going to top it but like when you go from like the outside to the orphanage to the sewers to the lab it's like each setting is its own beast mm-hmm. and it's really well realized and scary in its own way like you think you you have the game mastered in those first areas but then you go to the next spot and you're like oh shit I'm not as equipped here because like it's it's playing with my expectations. The game continues to humble you. Yeah, that's what yeah. it does is as you move through its sections. It's smart. Yeah, and it is just a, a modern feat in terms of game design, like like the mapping, the guns, all of it. It's just it's great, and it's one of those games where like I don't know, it's like most Capcom games actually, Resident Evil especially, where like once I beat it, I want to play it again because I want the I want to do the better run, mm-hmm. or I want to have the fucking Albert to fucking blow my way through it, or I want to have like this or this. And yeah, it was a treat to to play it through and through, not only because like of that, but there was cool replay value, like, you know, the A scenario, like Claire's A to Leon's B and then vice versa and seeing things kind of unfold a little differently to get the whole picture. It was neat. And yeah, you're right. Fucking Mr. X, such a threat. He's such a threat. Scary motherfucker, dude. I've, I've never encountered anything like that in a game and I never hated it. I hope, I hope Nemesis tops him. I do. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what they do with it. I mean, it's, I think he's going to be even more grotesque. 
It's not even about a grotesque. He yeah. is more aggressive. Mm. Very much aggressive. He also used weapons. Oh. So, that's I, makes so I wonder if like the, the release is going to feel just as good in 3, where it's like, you know where you're trying to survive an encounter from like X amount of zombies and lickers, mm-hmm. and Mr. X is chasing you down, and you're like, if I could just get to that save room, I'm going to feel safe to kind of like put myself together and go back out there. Like, I wonder if it's going to feel the same way. We'll see, but we'll April's see. so far away, Daniel. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grop shops today, <laughs> where would I go? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Resident Evil Two, Top Dog, it got robbed at the Game Awards. Got fucking robbed, it, dude. It's it's a shame because let me talk to you it's about Capcom's this. best game. And let me let me talk to you about this. And some of this cowardice is shared by you. Sure. <laughs> um, Don't bring me into people this. are afraid of making a horror game the best of the best. Okay. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to say, out of mm-hmm. everything that came out this year, a scary game is better than everything else. Because people are fucking cowards. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, I actually didn't play this game. I don't like being scared. Oh, who likes being scared? And I say, yeah. that's like saying you don't like being alive. <laughs> Resident Evil 2 like is the alive. key to life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's Kevin's game of the year. I, I don't know if I illustrated it before. <laughs> no, I don't think I got the point because yeah. you didn't really nail it home like that. I gave you a chance to. I didn't want to right there because <laughs> no. I knew we were going to do like the like. Yeah. All right, what's the actual yeah. best game of the year? So that's a preview. Yeah, I, like I don't even think I could really dock this game points in anywhere. Like it's basically a perfect game. It's basically, like, a perfect like I can't game. dock it anywhere. It's just and yet here here comes these other games. People are just like, oh, Sekiro is Sekiro a perfect game? I can't get a yes out of any motherfucker. But I hear Resident Evil Two is a perfect yeah. game, and it's number two on some people's lists. I like I can't even say that Sekiro is necessarily a perfect game by comparison because it had areas that pissed me the fuck off. Right. That like just felt dumb as hell. But I think I just liked it more as an experience. How many times did Resident Evil 2 piss me off? Uh none. Zero. Because <laughs> you're never enamored. Did you have these fucking tinted glasses for all things Claire Redfield. I don't think I have any bias when it comes to Resident anyway. or Evils. <laughs> I was like, are you wearing a Resident Evil shirt? No, you're not. No. Sir. What's your number one? My number one is Sekiro. Shadows die twice because it's fucking phenomenal. And is it I, perfect? I, I, I jump back and forth in my head if it's even the best from software game. Um, because I think Bloodborne no. is is very incredible in its world approach. I would tackle you. No, it's I, not. But it's I not. think for me, I just <laughs> it's it's the sense of of building yourself from nothing, right? Like and learning the world and learning how to master the combat and that sense of accomplishment that comes with each encounter. This game is that and more. Like every time I sat down with it, it was a trial. And some days I hated it. Some days I'm like, I'm getting my ass kicked. A lot of times I played like probably 90% of that game on stream and it was a lot of like one more run, one more run. Fuck, I got killed. Fuck, I can do this. And like you do it by the end because you learn it. It forces you to learn it. And in that, you become the best in what you do. Mm-hmm. It's not this imbalanced stat dump that previous Souls games are. Because yeah. it's not. It's an action RPG. You have a skill tree that you level your way through. And you get more powerful because you kill an enemy. Like, you kill a main boss and you get a spirit and that adds to your attack. But you can't stat dump for your attacks. You can't make yourself OP that way. No, every encounter like, demands respect. Yeah, exactly. And I like that about it a lot. It's, it's more of an interesting philosophy than... Like, your standard RPG approaches that Soulsborne games do. Yeah, RPGs suck. I yeah. agree. I'm not going to say it like that. No, you no, no. What are you saying? <laughs> but I, I just think that its approach in that way is, is more engaging for me. Whereas it, for other people, they're like, no, I want to create my fucking hunter, and I want to hunt my way through this, this land. I mean, Daniel, in the same way that people are, uh, you know, 
adverse to horror mm-hmm. they are adverse to difficulty not to say that's a bad thing so, dude some people can't even yeah no that's not yeah. fun to some people i get that i get that but if you're along for this ride mm-hmm. it is going to reward and pamper you mm-hmm. basically there i is, don't know about pampering you well it <laughs> pamper, never pampered it pampers you in pain yeah it pampers you in these awesome encounters, right? Mm-hmm. These awesome fucking encounters where you get the chance to feel like mm-hmm. my perseverance is going to matter at the end of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even little fights where you're like, who is this guy down the hole? Yeah. He's wearing a hat and he's got a big... St- oh, he killed me! Yeah, this one-armed swordsman who looks like I could yoke, but he gets me in one hit. Fucking killed me in one hit? What yeah. the fuck? And then, like, <laughs> you, you fucking... You grapple your way back there and you're like, all right, I'm ready for you, mother... Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that 15 times before mastery it's 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 a lot of dying and a lot of trial and error and a lot of late nights and frustrations but like i don't know it all feels worth it and i think it's cool too because the world is really well realized that world of japan i like that it's almost almost made me believe that japan is real yeah (laughs) a real place i could visit full of uh sunken headless apes and worm monsters but like the, the story of like um wolf and kiro i think it's such a cool personal story and you really feel the weight of all of your actions as you're moving along and killing your way through these warlords and and monsters and and people trying to stand in your way because you're like i'm trying to save this little boy and there's a pressing fucking shinobi samurai war happening around us that's closing in on us we have to save him like it's it's really cool and pressing in that way but gameplay wise, it plays better than any game I've played this year for me in terms of being an action what? action adventure game. I like the verticality. The grappling hook is the tits. The parry system is awesome. Uh, your your tool set is pretty cool too. Like your little tools that you get to fucking like your firecrackers that you throw down to like interrupt enemies. Yeah, I like the firecrackers. Like, so, uh, yeah. quick question: uh, I where's Claire in the game? Um, she's out there, man. She's off a hidden path that you have to kind of kill your way through. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Now I can understand why this would be game of the year if Claire Redfield's in yeah. it. Because if she wasn't, yeah. I would question why you would even consider Well, if Sekiro was a Capcom game, you could bet that Capcom would try and put her in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like be... fucking Monster Hunter World. <laughs> You'd already have like a fucking Palico and a Mega Man yeah. helmet <laughs> chilling with you the entire game. Wolf would have a fucking Mega Man helmet and be like, why? Yeah. Why is this happening? Why am I saving on a typewriter? <laughs> What's yeah, happening? Make no here? sense. But no, Sekiro is one of those games where it's like you have your different path endings and I beat it once and afterwards I was like, I could walk away from it, but I was like, no, I want to see the, the hidden bosses that I couldn't get before. Yeah. Some of them are more technical feats of like swordplay, some of them are like souls born like big monsters that you have to fucking like find your way around and and best and it's it's cool it's a very very well thought out game and i'm shocked that people played it enough to like put it at the top of any game of the year list because like the fact of um it being a hard game pushed a lot of people away sure but the fact that enough people played it or maybe played it and beat it or maybe played it enough to be like okay i respect it for what it is but it wasn't for me just really talks about how how good of a game it is yeah it's polished it's the whole package and fuck i would love a sequel i just don't know where they would go with it yeah i don't know where they go with it i don't know if we'll get it elden ring seems to be the next focus for from software for sure and i want bloodborne too and all these other things i don't know if it's better than bloodborne man that's fine that's like your opinion or whatever (laughs) that's your opinion or whatever really i don't know man because like Uh, if i even think of like the fucking like best games of the last decade Mm. sekiro's not on that list yeah okay so i have to give it i'd have to give it to bloodborne for sure i think bloodborne is 
we've 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 been through the, these motions. Yeah, like I think some of the gameplay in Sekiro is much more satisfying than what mm-hmm. Bloodborne does, but Bloodborne overall is just this more engrossing, like epic. <sighs> I don't know. Bloodborne after a while, like, okay, the world is, like, so enthralling. The yep. world of fucking Yarnum and that nightmare and the Eldritch gods and everything surrounding it. I'm like, what is this world? And Sekiro is that in smaller doses. But I think the combat for Bloodborne is very one note. You're hacking and you're slashing and you can get a stealth kill and fucking get somebody from behind. Whereas Sekiro, like, there's more dimension to the combat. Yeah, there's more dimension to the combat. I don't think there's much more dimension anywhere else in that game. Oh, that is my I, issue. I don't know about that. I do know about that yeah. because when I think about like, I wasn't fucking looking through like pages and pages of lore to mm-hmm. understand Sekiro. I didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I went through oh, and I was fair. like, oh, there's a big fair. monkey centipede. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Cool. It was a cool boss to fight. But there wasn't like, how does this connect to the well, rest of this universe that they're trying to tell me? The environmental storytelling was above and beyond better than anything i've ever seen in blood Bowl. oh no of course but that's also because they tell their stories differently secure actually gives you the story so the yeah secure just straight up tells you and it's almost like, a little less interesting in that way that's fair i don't, I don't know i, don't I guess know, it depends on how you like your narrative do you like it more contextual do you like going out of your way for it or do you like the narrative to serve it and it's I, not I like a, both i don't even think it's about yeah like i'm saying i like both styles yeah I'm just saying Bloodborne does what it does mm. better than Sekiro does with what it does. <laughs> Only, uh, I would give mechanics more than it. Mechanics are fucking mm. probably more interesting, but god damn it, Bloodborne is like a revelation. <laughs> yeah, I would say there are probably a lot more interesting boss encounters in Bloodborne, for sure. But I think the the one-on-one fights with uh, like people and generals and, I don't know, like the field of play is is more engaging for me at times with yeah. Sekiro. Although, like, I do feel like they've reused a lot of the settings for boss fights. And I'm like, oh, I'm here again fighting this new person. Okay, yeah. cool, but, like, mm, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I like it because it was a game that was very original um, in its approach. Even though it was borrowing off of all these years of Soulsborne history, it did something new, and it just it hooked me. Like, it hooked me every time. But who else gets to borrow from Soulsborne history more than the people that fucking created this Exactly, genre? yeah, exactly. You know, we talk about, oh, you're just aping on this, and it's like, they made it. They made it. Like, you get games like the surge that come along that try and ape off that style and they do their own thing but it's like well you didn't come up with any of this here's the thing about from software not only did they create that genre they're the ones that continue to evolve it where no one else is Mm -hmm. they've evolved it with bloodborne and they've evolved it even more secure and i think elden ring is going to be a very different thing probably focus more on open world traversal i really don't even think it's going to be like bloodborne dna or souls dna and this the fact that you might have to overcome bosses yeah that's probably only it right like i think it's honestly people are gonna be shocked when it's like oh there's an actual like story and like Mm -hmm. decision trees and shit yeah if they the moment they do that people are gonna be like oh this is not souls yeah for sure (laughs) but yeah sakura's your number one of the year yeah confusing for a year where resident evil 2 came out yeah i I mean mean, whatever that befuddles me again like i said before to say one is better than the other it's really splitting hairs because they're both great games but I think both of those deserve to be in a top three for any game of the year. I mean, if it's Claire's hair, I know where to split it. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you didn't uh, like so, that? So that's yeah. mine. That's yours. Um, if you want to do a quick seed bracket for what the, the save room game All right, let, should be. Let's look at this list and see who who's going to be on the top four here. Yeah. We already know Resident Evil's in there, right? Mm-hmm. We know Sekiro's in there. Mm-hmm. What are the other two? Control? Control's a good one. Control? You're, you're going to get in there. I'll vote for Control. You'll vote for Control. Mm-hmm. What is our fourth that's going to duke it out? Mm-hmm. You said Death Stranding's my number two, but it's your number six. So we got to look at the next one that's kind of shared on the higher list. Uh, that's a hard one because Days Gone is low for you. 
Star Wars is low for you. Star Wars is very low for me. But I can make a case for De- uh, Death Stranding. Can you make a case for Death Stranding? Because I think you got bored with it. I think it's I think it's going to lose already. Should we put Star Wars in there? No, let's put let's put Death Stranding. You sure? Yeah. So, okay. De- so Death Stranding, Control, Resident Evil 2 Remake, and Sekiro. So this is for the Save Rooms Collective okay. Best Game of the Year. I, I, I could have... We could forgo this entire conversation. Are you sure? <laughs> but let's let's do it. <laughs> so we got Death Stranding. Yeah. It doesn't seem like we're aligned on that experience. But so like, what would make Death Stranding Game of the Year number one for you? What would make uh, Game of the Year? Probably a better story. Mm-hmm. I don't think it had that great of a story. Okay. I like the world. I like the gameplay. I like the design. I like all of the choices. I like the music. A little roar. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. But the story was just fucking befuddling, like any Kojima story. So yeah. it, that's an immediately a buck-off point for a lot of people. Mm. Like, the moment that they start seeing, like, there's a baby on my chest. Yeah, <laughs> you why? Know? That kind of thing. Like, it never really <laughs> it never really follows through with its weirdnesses mm. with, like, a satisfying, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I still don't know why I'm carrying a baby on my fucking chest. To detect ghost. There seems like there's a bigger point. <laughs> it seems like there's a bigger point, yeah. like, it, it, in relation to Mads Mikkelsen's character. And I don't know if I was just too stoned to realize what was going on. <laughs> but, like, I didn't get a satisfying conclusion to yeah. that. So that's why I would say, like, it gets lower on the bracket because of yeah. that. I, I think a game of the year should deliver a, a oh. resolute beginning to end experience. Like, that's why Kingdom Hearts ranks low, because it's convoluted along the way, and I think it doesn't always satisfy, like, in the end game. Same with this, where it's like, I didn't mm-hmm. beat it, but to hear you say, oh, it doesn't wrap up the way it should, or you have so many questions, it's like, that's bad storytelling. Um, like, for- like, or it's just like, maybe that wasn't quite the, the vision you had, but it's like, you should give your player a sense of resolution. Yeah. Or like, the journey was worth it, you know? Yeah. And if the journey is, hey, we're rebuilding the world and it's part of that strand game experiment and you're feeling the effects of that, cool. But like, you're giving a triple A fucking story here that you're making me care about. You keep pulling me into it. You put all these celebrities in you it. You put a lot of celebrities in it. Put into a shit ton it. of it's celebrities a big in it. budget game. So, so yeah. yeah. So I would say that's already out of out of the the four. So we got three: Resident Evil Two, mm-hmm. Sekiro, mm-hmm. Control. So Control. Yeah. Ooh, I think that one falls out of the bracket too. Hmm. I love that game. Yeah. I think it's great. I I think it has some uh, some mechanical issues. Uh-huh. When we first played it, it was very buggy mm. and stuttery. And I know they fixed those problems, but it did impact my experience when I first played it. Oh, largely, yeah. Like there were parts that felt unplayable because of like the amount of action happening and how the game would stutter. But I I'm not I'm not going to use those against no. my no, scoring. When you look past that, it still has some issues. Right? Like, the story, you're right. It, it, it's not a cohesive, like, resolute story there. Mm-hmm. It's more of just like, wasn't this fascinating? Get ready for part two. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. I almost feel like it's bold as fuck when a new IP comes out of the gate going like, oh, we opened the door for so much more. And you're just like, should you have? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of bold. But, like, like we should said before have? with, like, it's contextual stuff and, like, it telling its story through, uh, what are they called? The objects of power? Mm-hmm. I think that shit's kind of more fascinating than what we got in the end kind of <laughs> so kind of so that's that's one thing i'm just like the story didn't quite deliver there and yeah. you're right some of the combat was really 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 uneven mm. um you would get decimated by mm-hmm. enemy ai almost yeah. immediately and some navigating through some of the world was a little convoluted mm-hmm. so there was definitely some frustrations that like held it back from pure greatness mm-hmm. and i feel like if they just went one extra mile with their story they might have delivered something that fucking hurt you know oh yeah i almost oh, wanted yeah. like a cliffhanger 
or something yeah. that would have been yeah, like, yeah. whoa, what the fuck, you know? But, yeah. So Control, I don't know. It lacks polish, but it has so many fucking cool ideas at hand that it that it runs with, and you're like, wow, this is actually really fascinating yeah. and bold of you to do. It's a springboard for a universe that I want to return to over and over again. That is great. Well, I would even say, like, from its, its gameplay standards, like, leveling your ability set, like, getting the telekinetic powers or even building the service weapon in different ways where it becomes kind of like a mod system for the gun. I'm like, that's interesting. You could have just given me a random gun that I just upgraded. All good shit. I think it gets put out of the running because it doesn't quite stick its landing Mm -hmm. and some of its more interesting ideas get downplayed for a kind of a humdrum. Like, what is this story? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I get that. So this war Mm -hmm. comes down to RE2 and Sekiro. And I got to think about these two games. Sure. Both great contenders. A lot of people are saying, yeah, the the fight was between these two titles. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough. I think the narrative around them, too, is very interesting and different, where it's like, we're in this Capcom renaissance, they're doing these remakes that are fucking knocking it out of the park, and then you have an underdog, like, from software, who, you know, they did their stuff with uh, Bandai Namco, they did their exclusive with Sony, now they're doing this thing with Activision that's trying to reach a greater scale, and... We're talking about accessibility in games because of it. Like, that's such a cool conversation to be having around a game that would probably have not gotten light otherwise. I mean, I don't know if I agree with it being a cool conversation, considering the discourse that is stemming from it. No, like, it is. It's, some of it's very toxic it's and actually, bad. It's just surfacing how yeah. exclusionary people mm-hmm. are. But I think it's important to be having the conversations that are happening because of it, you know? Yeah. Making games more accessible, making them for everybody, you know, not making it the get good philosophy. Yes. yes. Um, I think Sekiro from start to finish is a very, and this is why these two games are in the top and the other two fall out. It's polished from start to end. It knows what it is and it commits to that and it succeeds on every front. Like, in its telling of that Japanese world, in its approach of, hey, we're going to make this parrying and combat base, and its approach of, we have bosses that we need you to work towards, but it's also not the entire focus of the game. But out of these two titles, mm-hmm. one of them stands for all that is good and righteous <laughs> in this world. One of them is the flag bearer for the entire generation of gaming. And the other one, one is Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> well one of them one of them uh, uh yeah. removed my appendix when it became inflamed <laughs> and the other treated me <laughs> the uh one of them pissed me off to no end and the mm-hmm. other one had me smiling the entire time yeah i mean i know where i lean yeah and i'll always fight sure. this probably because it's just it's there is nothing more edifying in this world to have a remake as celebrated as re2 mm-hmm. of one of your favorite games of all time like just imagine Ocarina got remade tomorrow and it's better than Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I could already imagine that because I, I didn't care for Breath of the Wild like that. But I, th- I think of the concept take of the point. <laughs> Ocarina being remade in Unreal Engine in that game and what that could be. And I'm like, oh, Unreal? Nintendo would never. <laughs> yeah, like they had the one guy who was working on it. I forget his name. But yeah, like, okay, if that came out in 2020, I was like, oh, it's my game of the year. But people are like, oh, it's a remake. But I'm like, yeah, but also it does all those things. I'm like, I get where you're coming yeah. from. Like, yeah. you know, it's a 20-year-old game, but like it does so much important in terms of its lineage and new in terms of being a modern game it does a lot of heavy lifting to to bring that into 2019 Mm -hmm. and it does it so successfully to a point where it's not even like this is the mold for future remakes this is the mold for how you do the resident evil series going forward like they found it well i think it also sets the bar for other studios doing remakes like i feel like Mm -hmm. blue point would have to look at what capcom's doing and be like okay how do we do something like that oh yeah blue point needs to shore up their game where they need to be like hey we need to make like fundamental remakes not just like fucking shot for shot psycho Mm -hmm. remakes essentially Mm -hmm. and i am referencing 1998's shot for shot remake of psycho (laughs) 
It's <laughs> directed by Gus Van Sant. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, like, you know, are is any one of these games more influential than the other? And it's like, yes and no. Like, I think they're both going to be very influential in what they're what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think Capcom and its lineage with Resident Evil is super important. I think Sekiro and uh, From Software has only launched more Soulsborne clones and games that want to do exactly what they do because, I don't know, it's a cool design philosophy in ways, and, like, those games are challenging and they're fun and whatever, whatever. But it's like... I don't know. I even one game doesn't even feel more important than the other. It's just like which one landed harder for us, you know? I would agree with that, except for the point that one is more important or not. I think Resident Evil Two is the most yeah. important game ever made. Okay. That's fair. Um, and it is the apex of all games. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't have Resident Evil Two, we wouldn't have games. That's fair. I mean, it came out what January. And it just f- fucking set the bar. Like, yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, that game came out 12 <laughs> months ago, and it is still, like, at the fucking tip of our tongues, and, like, we can't stop thinking about it, because it's, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's great. I don't know. I don't really care. Like, we're splitting really hairs. Like, I would, I'll give it to Resident Evil 2. Like, I, I could fight for Sekiro, but you're just going to be like, but it's not the greatest game ever made. <laughs> that is Resident Evil 2. So, like... <laughs> Except I could do that with anything. Exactly. <laughs> Let's look at last year. Yeah. Spider-Man versus God of War. Yeah. And I think you looked at me a week ago or two weeks ago and you're like you know it's hard to admit but i think i'm right i think i'm right there with you god of war is my game of the year and you totally like walked back on your spider-man was spider-man my game of the year yeah. i thought god of war was no it wasn't and i don't think it i'll really ever wasn't. get you to walk back on this and say sekiro is your no. game of the year because it isn't and i know no, resident evil 2 is the best I, game I, ever made your heart of heart you believe that <laughs> and i'm i'm okay have you ever heard a man so sure like and i'm okay with that because it's a phenomenal game like i'm saying it just yeah. like you asked me what time it is yeah. like it's just fact it just is it's like oh yeah resident evil 2 is the best game this year mm-hmm. just is oh you have arguments against that now <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh this won't happen next year do the I, I don't think i can fight that part three will be the best game of the year i don't think so i don't know in a year where like last of us part two is coming out and all this other stuff and it's all based on part three yeah. not the best game ever made that's fair so <laughs> what's what's re2 Best game ever made. Until this game came out. Until this came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'll give it to it. So the save rooms, the game of the year 2019 is Resident Sekiro Shadows Die Twice 2 Remake. Yeah, there it is. We We did it. (laughs) Actually, game of the year is Witcher 3. I played it again this year and it's fucking great. Yeah, you're loving it right now. I fucking beat it. I finally beat it. I finally beat it. Game of the year. Witcher 3. There you go. Bye, guys. Oh, my God. What a, what a wild year for gaming oh, to like look back on year. it, and it's it's interesting to see where like next gen's gonna go, and I really hope it's even more interesting and, and crazy. Three, yeah, three hours. I don't How know. How the man. fuck did we do that? I don't know because we decided to do the split list thing, and it ended up being like almost an hour each. Do you think it would have been better if it was round robin? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think it would have gotten long either way. Would have gotten long either way. It's because way. we did a list of ten. We need a list of. Oh, you want to do a list of five? A five would have been so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> well i can't wait to edit this one yep well this all you'll see this one in fucking 2021 yeah no basically well thank you for giving me a few days to to work on it into yeah the for year. sure but for sure yeah 2019 was a crazy year in gaming it was also a crazy year for us and i don't know it's, i want to look back and like you know thank the people who stuck with us and listen and gave us support and whether it was through listens or sharing or joining us on our crazy gaming streams across twitch.tv slash the red herb and twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels which are our two streams like thank you guys for supporting us and making savor more than just two dudes in a bedroom you know you elevate us you give us attention and it's probably a bad idea studio yeah <laughs> don't let them know don't let them know Save how the studios. sausage is made <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let them know that they like the taste <laughs> that's, that's all as long as they're smiling yeah. nothing else matters <laughs> 
No, I do appreciate everyone, um, especially like, you know, hopping in from the streams and then, you know, migrating over to the podcast because mm. for some reason you wanted more of this content. Yeah. Not sure why. It's insane. But we do, we do appreciate, um, yeah, just having a community that is considered mm. safe roommates. Yeah. And we thank you. And that's the only reason that we continue doing it. I mean, MeUndies doesn't call back, mm-hmm. so, but you guys come back and yeah. Yeah, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. We talk about games. I like having that discourse and uh, being able to just, you know, continue to have some sort of outlet for my hobby because, like, there's no other juncture in my life allows it <laughs> besides no. this podcast and me sitting in my room just fucking gaming. Yeah. Right? And platinuming games over 135 hours. 135 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Change me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. Here's to 2020. 2020 will be the best year ever. Oh, we got so many fucking God. games next year coming I, what out. What do you think the discourse of 2020 is going to be? I can't even tell you. Oh my I God. can't even tell you what's going to happen. I mean, we already got the Tifa's boob discourse, so I don't even know. I mean, that stuff is going to be expected. Yeah. I just don't know what's going to be like the USB in a medieval times. <laughs> like, well, what's going to be the next like guy beam going around apologizing for a fictional character? You know, like, well, what's going to be the next shit? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be cool to see the focus shift just to hardware and new gaming and see like what's on the horizon. But that is true. I but feel people like people are behind these things and people are flawed. And with that comes drama and stories. Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah. The save room lives on in 2020. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure to like and subscribe to find out what happens next. To be continued. Well, that's it. That's all I got in me, man. This is another long one. Long one. Three hours. Well. Donezo. If you guys want to write to us at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at Save Room Show, let us know your games of the year. Tell us how Kevin's wrong and that Resident Evil 2 is not the greatest game ever made. I'm pretty sure it's the greatest game ever made. (laughs) I mean, I can't get people to bat with me that Sekiro's better than it, but... I think I'm alone in my corner. You think you think Sekiro's better than Resident Evil 2? That's funny. <laughs> That's not the conversation we just had. <laughs> Was that what you're trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> well, goodbye, everybody. Yep. Like Claire with the tyrant, let's put this thing to rest. Okay. Yeah. Stars! Stars! <laughs> Good night.